106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. All of this ridiculous propaganda about Florida's so-called don't say gay bill is just that. It is propaganda. SB 1557, that's the bill. It's only seven pages long. You can look it up and read it. I encourage you to do so. You'll find that the word gay isn't even mentioned in the entirety of the bill. Also, it is a bill that focuses exclusively on kindergartners through third graders and simply prohibits a teacher of that age group from holding classroom discussions about sexuality and so-called gender identity. It also requires schools to share important information about a child, especially about that child's health or well-being with the parent. This is an amazing story you'll hear nowhere else. So CBS News says it's a legitimate news agency and covers the news in a fair way. It had a reporter for three years named Kate Smith, who covered only abortion subjects. There is Miss Smith. All right. Last July, she resigned. And her new job is, ready? Spokesperson for Planned Parenthood. <laughs> so she was working for three years at CBS News covering abortion, and now She's the spokesperson for Planned Parenthood. You think the fix was in on abortion at CBS? Maybe, could be. It's outrageous. Honesty in media, ah. You know what's hilarious? When women say, I got a degree and I make my own bag so I don't need a man. Let's unpack, shall we? First of all, men came up with the concept of university, specifically this man. The classes taught and taken at university are based on disciplines created by men, with books written by men and published by men. In fact, the buildings themselves were designed, engineered, and built by men. Moving on. You used your degree to get hired at a firm or a company, again, founded by men. Or maybe founded by women. Either way, in buildings created by men. You traveled to work on streets designed by men and built by men. You either drove a car or used public transportation to get there. And again, both were designed by men and built by men. Or maybe you created your own online company on an internet created by men, using technology and social media platforms created by men. You then invested your money in a stock market created by men and built by men. Or in crypto, again, created by men. And you put your earnings in a bank founded by men and built by men. And after all this, you tweet, I don't need a man on a phone, a platform, and a system created by men. Sis, you don't need a man. You're right, you need many, we all do because every human society needs good, strong men to flourish, thrive, and survive. So let's stop with the BS and start appreciating our men for all the good they do. They've earned it. God bless America. I would just like to first start out asking you, how do you do your job? I mean, you get so much hate, so much backlash. I mean, I personally, I, I personally love you. <laughs> I do. I, I, I love you. I really love you. Like I would, I would leave my husband for you. Yep, sorry, shouldn't, shouldn't say that, but, but seriously. Um, back to the question, how do you do your job? I think number one, you gotta love your job. I, uh, I love what I do. I, I love controlling people. 
I love being in this spotlight, having people look to me and say, what do we do? And, and I decide everything. I mean, there's only one doctor in the world and it's me. It's me. Um, and the people don't, that don't like it, the people that have a problem with me, uh, they need to be dealt with. They need to be dealt with. I honestly, I, I have no idea how anyone, anyone could speak out against you. When the Ted Cruz's and the Rand Paul's, they speak out against me. When anyone speaks out against me, they are speaking out against science. When I think of you, I think of science. I represent science. I am science. Science did not exist. It, it, it was nothing until I came. I came onto this planet, Earth, and I brought science with me. I am science. Yes. And what people don't understand is that sometimes science requires people to lose their individual freedom. It's just, it's science. And sometimes science requires people to be injected with things they don't want because you say they should be. I mean, you are science, right? And, and sometimes science says that uh, we should brutally mutilate animals uh, for the cause of science, you know? You're talking about the dogs. You're talking about the dogs. I, uh, I hate dogs. I hate them. Oh, I do not like them either. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so when is this pandemic going to end? Never. Good evening. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. We're here in Northern California in Yuba County, and uh, this episode will play on April 30, 2022. It's episode number 161, if you happen to come back to it, need to come back to it for some reason. Uh, if you're new to us, we're going to do six 20-minute talk segments separated by about... Uh, Five to six minutes of great clips, and uh, we have a couple clips we'll play in the middle that are really uh, helpful to the times we're going through right now. Thank you for listening. Let me give you a couple uh, administrative tips here. You can reach me at 530-713-1838 if you need a follow-up for any reason. 530-713-1838. I'm going to give that number out for a couple different reasons, but if you just want to text me something... Uh, talk to me about something, uh, you're welcome to call. I'm on the left coast up here in Northern California. So uh, you can also reach me at an email address called Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. So that's our website, nohostagesradio.com, where we stash all the episodes and the uh, articles I write. So you can reach me there, lou at nohostagesradio.com, and you could go look at the website if you like. You may have stumbled across us uh, and just got uh, the information or the uh, title of the podcast from your local podcast source or maybe heard about it. However you got to us, um, you're welcome here tonight. <clears throat> 
You can also uh, listen to a live show that we do on Saturdays. This show will actually pop up every Saturday. But we also do a live show on KMYC. It's 1410 AM out here in Northern California. It's a uh, station that uh, is being built as we speak. It's uh, it's actually online, but it doesn't have the pop that it should have. It got burned down by an arsonist, but we're uh, we're working on it. And but a few counties up here in Northern California can listen to it old radio style KMYC fourteen ten AM, or you can go to live three six five dot com. That's a live stream it's called live365.com click on radio put in the call letters km like in mickey yc and you should catch whatever's coming across at that time i'm on from 10 a.m to 1 in the afternoon uh every saturday for three hours of course three hours that's it's the format's a little bit different we cover some similar material but not all the same material Sometimes I just go in a different tangent from uh, from what I've done here on uh, our project tonight. Thanks to uh, big thanks to Santos Vigil on the radio program and also Tanner Martis on that does all the tech work. These guys do the tech work on the radio, and then Santos does the live radio, and and uh, Tanner does the tech work on the podcast. Much much love and appreciation. Uh, let's see if I think that's all that we got to talk about to get started. Again, episode 161. I want to bring up and spend a little time uh, because according to the countdown on their website, there's 13 days, 12 hours, 2 minutes, and 51 seconds before a big conference called the COVID Con and Beyond. Beyond. COVID Con and Beyond. And, uh, it's the subtitle is from sickness and slavery to health and freedom. It is going to occur on May 12th, 13th and 14th of this year, May, May 12th, 13th and 14th of 2022. If you want to attend or you're interested in attending, uh, and see it live, it's going to be at the, uh, Embassy of Heaven campus where Church of Glad Tidings exists. So if you want to sit in on the classes, you can there see it all live. If you want to see it virtual, you can. If you want to get a free one-day pass, you can. So uh, I'll give you the, uh, I'm going to give you the website. Uh, The direct website is beyondthecon.com. Beyond the Con, like getting conned by a convict. Beyondthecon.com is the website. If you can, if you forget that, you can go to churchofgladtidings.com and click on events and just scroll down to it, COVID Con and Beyond. And then it'll show you how to go over and register and it'll take you right to this website. I'm looking at their actual website, not the Glad Tidings website. I'm looking at COVID Con and Beyond which the uh, address is beyondthecon.com, okay? And I'm going to go over to because it's a pretty powerful, uh, uh, we've had some great conferences. I think the last time this conference was conducted, or the first time it was, and I believe they, uh, that was the only time it was uh, done at Glad Tidings and in simulcast, I think, I don't know how many people actually were sitting in the chairs, but uh, they said they reached around a couple hundred thousand people. 
Dr. Henry Ely from Portland, Oregon, will be um, coordinating this. He's probably going to—he's going to be one of the speakers, and uh, he's also going to be the uh, MC and coordinator of it. So it says, what makes COVIDCon and beyond unique among conferences is that in addition to getting information you can trust, you'll also get to make an immediate difference. Your generosity, uh, generous funds, health education and natural medicine, grand jury petitions to hold alleged criminals accountable and real help for children healing from gene modification injuries. That's right. It's not a vaccine and never was. What we've learned over the last two years, says Dr. Ely, uh, of the last two years of our lives is that sickness is slavery. How many of our loved ones were murdered for profit in hospitals by heartless medical systems that lied, mandated, violated, informed uh, consent laws, violated pat- patient rights, played God, and imprisoned our loved ones while are with while withholding evidence-based treatments. So that's one option. But thankfully, we could do better. What if we could escape? to a land where freedom was respected and love was the new for the new normal. Well, you can escape to freedom by attending COVID con and beyond and learning from humans with good hearts who will light the way into our new normal of hope, happiness, and freedom for all. So this isn't just a rehashing of what went wrong the last couple of years. This is a look at that, but then where to from here. And that's why they got some, uh, Amazing speakers coming, David and Kim Martin. Uh, David Martin has been the one who exposed the fact that the COVID-19 uh, patents uh, gave the years and who patented the COVID-19. It wasn't some spontaneous uh, disease from a bat in a wet market, but it was actually developed in a lab and patented by the uh, uh, by American companies and U.S. government. So David and Kim Martin are going to be here, and the topic's going to be solution and question. So we got solution and questions and answer uh, themes here. So they're going to do legal updates, health for humanity. Kim, Kim's a, a former um, RN, and David is uh, just a genius. The other person that we're hoping can come, we're praying that he can come, is Dr. Vladimir Zelenko from New York. He is a... Uh, advisor or counselor to the uh the jewish leadership of israel he's a doctor i think he's a husband and father of seven children uh he's been battling a rare form of cancer and uh they he's long he's lived longer than they expected but he's the one who came out you can go to go to his website uh you might uh duck duck go do the search on the zelenko protocol It'll tell you how to stay healthy and how to deal with any kind of COVID problems. Zelenko, Z-E-L-E-N-K-O, the Zelenko Protocol. Again, uh, he's going to be focusing on the spiritual victory, and uh, it's going to be a, he's going to talk about the solution and questions and answers. Dr. Carrie Madey, you might have seen her on BitChute or Rumble or one of those uh, platforms in, in a variety of talks with Stu Peterson where she actually looks at the the uh, the contents of the jab or the inoculation w- under a microscope and uh, expose that uh, for all the filthy garbage that's in it. And her name's Dr. Carrie Madej, M-A-D-E-J. She's Polish, um, but she's uh, 
transferred to America many years ago, but she's of Polish, of Polish heritage. And uh, she uh, had two of her clinics shut down uh, in Georgia during COVID because of her stance to heal people rather than kill people during COVID. And uh, she's known as taking a stand for health freedom. She's going to talk about the future of health, and it's going to talk about the solution and question and answer time. Kevin Jenkins, uh, Urban Global Health Alliance, is going to be there. Hope for all communities. Same, talk, give a talk, and then question and answer. Nicola, Nicola uh, Burnett, Back to Balance, Health Care for Real Health, and she's going to talk about. John Hewlett's going to be there fully from Fully Live. Health, healthy Hearts Pump Love. Tom Rents, who we've played many times on, on this show, Rents Law, R-E-N-Z Law. He's going to give legal updates on the COVID lawsuits. And Dr. Henry Ely, who is the head of Energetic Health Institute, he's going to talk about healing, vax injuries, and legal updates. Now, there's a lot of other things going on that uh, are listed here. Uh there's going to be information on nutritional immune priming, grand jury petitions on how to uh, crank out some actions against people in your community that are violating the law with COVID and health mandates. Uh, another no jab, no job, how to deal with mandates. You're going to talk about that. Some other people are. Fight for medical freedom, transforming your dollars into difference. And it talks about being... Uh, be a part of the history and the making on this website. It says meet with like minds. That's one of the greatest parts of these conferences. You get to meet people from all over the world who are uh, thinking differently than the average duck. Uh, learn from the experts. Take bold actions. Going to tell you how to take bold actions. Make history. Connect and network. Collaborate uh, on solutions. So there's going to be some discussions here on how are we going to deliver medical services in the future because the government of the United States is constantly taking over more and more uh, the control and management of, of our lives, taking away doctors' freedoms. And there's going to be a discussion about that uh, at this conference, and uh, it's going to be interesting. And I think there's also going to be discussions on food sovereignty, uh, all education issues. There's going to be a lot of... Uh, out of the box or uh, innovative thinking. So I would encourage you. You can sign up. You can sign up for a free day pass. You can you can watch it for uh, I think it's seventy five dollars for three days for the virtual watch. You can watch it online uh, for a hundred and uh, excuse me. You can watch it live. You can come to it for three days for one hundred and fifty dollars. If you want to see it live and also be involved in some VIP meetings, that's $500. Still a great deal to meet one-on-one -on -one with a lot of these uh, people that are really the people fighting the fight throughout the United States. These are people that you normally see interviewed on television uh, for a variety of topics. So COVIDCon and beyond, again, it's May 12th. 13th and 14th, it's going to be here in, in Yuba City, California, or what we'd call Sutter County at Church of Glad Tidings. That's 1179 Eager Road, just north of Yuba City. You can look on our website at churchofgladtidings.com, where I go. I happen to attend there. That's why I say our. I don't own the place, or I don't, I'm not in the leadership there. I just go there. 
but it's at uh, you can go to churchofgladtidings.com and see all the how to get there and and if you want any information like if you're coming into town and you want to know where to stay there'll probably be some things posted on uh, the church website eventually or on this covid con and beyond for people that want to come into town and there may be even people offering some housing at their places so uh, as i said before there's 13 days about 11 hours, 52 minutes left, so you can get to signing up. And uh, it's going to be an exciting time. Do you think it's going to be huge? The, the thing that's exciting for me is is I want to find out what we're going to do to uh, move on and separate uh, from all this ridiculous uh, Nazi and uh, strong-arm tactics in our community. And that's uh, have our own businesses without government control, have our own medical without government control, and uh, have our own schooling without government control, and have our lives without government control. That's We want to get back to where our founding fathers uh, started us. So uh, go to the website beyondthecon.com or churchofgladtidings.com. You can find your way either way. So let's get signed up. Let's go for it. Let's have a great time. I was just talking to a, a kid I knew from juvenile hall many, many, many years ago. And now he's an adult, he has children, he has a wife, and uh, she's a wonderful cook. And they have a, uh, I don't know what they call their uh, their truck. It's a food truck, and they su- serve Indian food. Ooh, it sounds good. And uh, his name is Goldie. I like Goldie. And I said, Goldie, you need to bring your food truck out to Glad Tidings. One of the, I don't know how we're going to feed everybody out there, but one way they, they had it uh, catered. Some of it was catered. Uh, they had sit-down food, and then they had some box lunches, and then they had food trucks, a variety of uh, cuisines, Mexican and potatoes. And, and uh, now I'm going to see if we can get my friend Goldie out there and sling some Indian food, Punjabis at Punjabi food. Love that food. Love that spicy taste. So uh, I'm not the, I'm going to have to get Goldie's connection here. And, and, uh, so, cause he's all available. If actually, if you're interested in Indian food and you want to have an event, like if you're having a party, uh, or a get together or, you know, a fun day for your kids or whatever, and you want somebody to provide food, Goldie will roll in with his food truck. And I said, Goldie, I didn't know you're a cook now, huh? He said, no, 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 no. My wife cooks. He said, my wife is the cook. I said, I said, come on, man, you you drive the truck and keep all the business together. He said, yep, clean up, do all that stuff. So uh, I, if you if you ever want to get Indian food and tag it into your operation, whatever you want, to, if you're going to have an event of some sort, uh, they will do it. Like after a wedding or something, something. By the way, I was after a funeral, a friend of mine that we I used to smuggle Bibles with into uh, China and Vietnam and Laos. She died and last year, and after that, so we had a church um, funeral for her, but she worked for um, a wonderful Indian family, the, the Sarbtiara family, and she worked for them for over 20 years, and so after the funeral, they provided a wonderful, they had a, they had a uh, Indian line buffet, and then they had a western line and of course i went to the indian line but man it was good and there there's a restaurant that i haven't gone to it's out on oswald road can you imagine can you think of oswald road out past berry school in sutter county 
and you get off 99 and you go out Oswald Road and there's an Indian restaurant down there, a lady. And the lady that was down there, she cooked that food. I said, girl, I'm coming out to your restaurant. I said, this is unbelievable right here. So anyway, I'll have to get my act a little bit more together and pitch some of these restaurants who are really doing a great job. I love ethnic food. I like Vietnamese food. You know, there's a good Vietnamese restaurant. Some friends took me to in Wheatland. My goodness, back in that strip mall, right when you drive into Wheatland from Marysville on the right, and I had me some pho, and it was good. I had some pho with ga, pho ga, which is chicken, and it was so good. So I can't wait to get back to Vietnam and be slinging that pho every meal. I eat it almost every meal. So, um, all right. So, let me get back to my notes here. I was wanting to pitch that COVID con and get it going here. I just want to mention uh, one of the new guys that that helped me with my car is uh, Kevin and Carrie Clark, and um, they are such nice people. And he has the brightest business in in the two counties. If you drive by his business, you have to put your sunglasses on. Because it is like canary yellow. It is canary yellow. And uh, I, I had never thought of it. I guess I just thought, seen it so often I don't think about it anymore. But uh, it's called Allen's Auto Body. And it picked up that name because he worked. Kevin Clark worked for Allen's Auto Body for many moons. And then they sold it to Kevin. He took it over many moons ago. And so he's at the corner of Tea Garden and Sutter Street in Yuba City. And Kevin... And Carrie and their son work there and maybe some others, but they do good work. They fixed the front end of my car, made it look like a brand new car, even though it's so old. I, I uh, bumped the front of it, got it kind of goofed up. And Kevin said, don't sweat it. Let me just order the parts. I'll fix it up. And they just made it so nice. Went out there and washed it for me, cleaned it all up after they fixed it and uh, did it right, treated me right. And uh, they're just good people. Anytime I have something that needs adjusted on that car on the body i take it to those guys they just they just it's no big deal to them you know when you find people that are really talented they just don't sweat the small stuff they just get it done they make difficult things look easy let me put it that way allen's auto body you can call them at 530-671-1057 530-671-1057 or you can just drive on in there or have your car towed over there at the corner of Tea Garden and Sutter Street, and you can just tell the tow truck driver it's a big yellow building, or it's a bright yellow building. I should say bright yellow. dude's bright. It matches this El Camino that Kevin has. I don't know where it went, but he's, it's, he used to have it parked out in front. It was the same color as the building, canary yellow. I call it canary yellow. All right, we're going to be right back, and we'll do our second segment. about um, privacy versus security is as old as civilization, you can say. But there is something new now. For the first time in history, it's possible to completely eliminate privacy. Mm -hmm. It was just never possible before, and it is possible now. Something fundamental has changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, dictators always dreamt 
about completely eliminating privacy, monitoring everybody all the time and knowing everything you do, and not just everything you do, but even everything you, you think and everything you feel. Whether it's a tyrant in ancient Greece or whether it's Stalin, they always dreamt about it. They could never do it because it was technically impossible. Now it's possible. You know, growing up, I always thought freedom of speech and the Second Amendment was absolutely priceless. But I guess I've been proved wrong. According to Elon Musk, freedom of speech cost about $44 billion. Kind of makes you wonder what the Second Amendment's worth now, huh? Have you heard about the infanticide bill? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. AB 2223 to legalize infanticide has passed two Democrat-controlled committees in the California Assembly. Yet because of all the opposition calls and opposition witnesses, it was hard to pass this murderous bill in its last committee. Several Democrat members tried to avoid the vote, but the bill sponsor, abortion giant Planned Parenthood, corralled them back to vote yes. This means AB 2223 might be defeated on the Assembly floor because Planned Parenthood abortionists aren't there, and the floor is where even Democrat members have traditionally been allowed to vote their conscience. See 26 assembly targets at SaveCalifornia.com. You can prevent infanticide. SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The recent revelation of late-term babies aborted at a Washington, D.C. abortion center exposed the likelihood that federal laws were broken in the process of killing the children. It also revealed another barbaric reality. Curtis Bay Energy is the company that picks up the remains of aborted babies and incinerates them. A closer look revealed they burned this so-called medical waste to generate electricity for the community. Curtis Bay's website advertises their Waste to Energy program, which means if you live in the Baltimore, Maryland area, aborted babies have been burned to keep your lights on and your house warm. The words Curtis Bay Energy were printed on the box that contained 115 aborted babies, five of them very late-term abortions at the D.C. abortion mill. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. There's something else I'm not supposed to say. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. And I can already see WRL out there. They got they licking their pencils around, trying to write fierce as they can. Get every word of this here. Get every word of this. You can go to the doctor and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and get made up. You can go down there and get drugged up. But at the end of the day, you were just a drugged up, dressed up, made up, cut up, man or woman. You ain't changed what God put in you, that DNA. You can't transcend God's creation. I don't care how hard you try. The transgender movement in this country, if there's a movement in this country that is demonic and that is full of the spirit of antichrist, it is the transgender movement. It's time for grown-ups and time for Christians to start standing up and being unafraid to tell the truth. Come after me if you want to. 
I don't care. You want my head? Here it is right here. Come on, come get it. I don't care because it's time for us to stand up. Now, I'm not afraid to stand up and tell the truth about that issue. They're dragging our kids down into the pit of hell, trying to teach them that mess in our schools. Tell you like this, that ain't got no place at no school. Two plus two don't equal transgender. It equals four. You need to get back to teaching them how to read instead of teaching them how to go to hell. Here we go. Having a little drink of iced Vietnamese tea. I brought some. I've been so long since I've been to Vietnam, I don't even know that I can find my way back there. They keep telling me I'm going to have to take the jab, so I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to fly in there under you know under low cloud cover. This little meme that was sent out. Pictures, picture of two guys that are fairly famous guys. One is Julian Assange says, hi, I'm Julian Assange. I give private information on corporations and government to you for free, and the media calls me a criminal. The next guy, hi, I'm Mark Zuckerberg. I give your private information to corporations and government for money, and the media call me man of the year. Isn't that something? Just all who you know. All who you know. Well, I wanted to uh, mention something that happened. Uh, uh, Courtney Ortega, who I've been supporting for, uh, she's running for uh, second district supervisor in Sutter County against a guy named Dan Flores, which I talk about every once in a while on the show here. Dan has uh, got his hand in so many tills. Uh, he's, he's You ever seen that uh, Hindu deity? that's a female and she's got all those multiple arms sticking out all up and down her body. And they worship that deity. I've been to India and been in some of the temples over there. I don't know if they call her Shiva or something like that. Anyhow, that's Dan. He's got those, all these hands out and he's got them in all the pots around the, the government, all the government pots. And I don't mind people, you know, making jillions of dollars and have, you know, businesses all that are diversified, man. They're in farming, they're in chemicals, you know they're in aircraft. They're in they're in uh, bitcoins. They got it. They got it going on. I think it's cool. Uh, and uh, but when people are uh, double, triple, quadruple dipping in government, I have a real problem with that. And so I try to talk about it as much as I can. And uh, that's our our local representative that does that most is Dan Dan Flores. <clears throat> and um, so he's running for office again. And and so I've been talking about him. He's the guy that. Actually, is so smooth that he sold a school to a school, right? We have a he sold a school to not another private school, but to a government. He sold the school to a government, a private school to the government, who already had schools. And he got four hundred fifty thousand dollars for it, and ten thousand dollar a month to rent his building, and uh, got his threw his wife in, and his mother in law in on the package. They both were there, and he even tried to get himself a director job out of the deal. And before that, before he sold his school to the school, Sutter County Office of Education, he 
uh, got them to buy his building or took take over the lease on a set of buildings that he had just ahead of the set of buildings he just rented them. He, they took the other ones. Seems like every time he wants to make a little money, he makes a deal with the Sutter County School Superintendent, Tom Russer. And then it's interesting that his brother, David, uh, also now works for Sutter County Schools. Now, I always thought of David as a guy that worked for Recycling Industries. That's how I kind of knew him, but he's done many things, a business guy, sharp guy, nice guy, got a really good reputation. And uh, so I heard of him uh, working in Recycling Industries who went, were trying to compete with uh, Recology here up here, which picks up all our refuse in this Yuba Sutter area and many, many counties in Northern California. So David Flores, after after Dan Flores makes all these deals with Sutter County schools, then David Flores ends up being an employee as an administrator for them as well. Nothing wrong with that, right? People just doing business maybe, right? But there could be something wrong with it. But just, you know, it's just coincidence. Things all kind of tie together, right? And uh, so my friend Joe Betancourt, who who I uh, used to work closely with, I was in trauma intervention for years, and I worked with Joe because he was a main man on two, with two mortuaries in the area, and he worked for a company that had two mortuaries, and he ran the nicest, had some of the nicest mortuaries in the area. And he and Joe and I became I consider Joe, uh, still consider Joe a good friend. I don't see him anymore because our paths took different directions. He went, he followed David uh, Flores into the recycling industries business and left the mortuary business. But before he left the mortuary business, he had a problem with local government. That's Joe Betancourt with Lakeside Colonial Chapel. And Lakeside Colonial Chapel had been on the corner of 9th and D., for more years than most of the ages of the people on the planning commission. And uh, Joe Betancourt didn't have a crematorium in his mortuary. It was an older mortuary that he remodeled. And uh, so he had to get a permit, according to the county, the city. He had to get a permit to have a crematorium. So he applied for a permit, and the planning commission turned him down. And they said, not only that, we don't think a mortuary should be on that corner. And the mortuary had been on that corner longer than anybody had lived. So I wrote articles, and I had Joe come on the radio show, and I uh, talked about his uh, the the rightness or the righteousness of putting a crematorium because so many people today cremate their loved ones. Most people do, and so he ended up getting uh, that crematorium put in there, and then he put a crematorium in their other business across the river uh on shasta street so uh joe changed jobs and went to work for david flores down at recycling industries and that's where he is today and now david flores is up there working for the sutter county office of education the people that bought the school from uh dan flores and paid him for almost a half a million dollars for it even though they already have schools and were, and, were te- and were educating kids for a lot less money. They bought this school, right? They just brought the idea, the system of the school. They didn't buy any property. And then they pay $10,000 a month on top of that to Dan Flores. And their brother, David Flores, works for the people that bought the school. You got it now? I'm going to tell you a story. 
So at the uh, there was a there was a f- political forum the other night, and Courtney Ortega was talking about uh, there was different political candidates there, and Courtney Ortega was talking about the decisions of the board of supervisors damaging all these businesses, and so. Um, one of the businesses she referred to because she had started Courtney Ortega and some people started freedom coalition, which was during COVID. It was an effort by lots of local people was to go to these businesses that had been shuttered. And as soon as they got open or they were going to convince them to open, they were going to go in there and flood them with business and try to fill up their cash registers again. Right? So we did that with a number of restaurants and then we tried to do it with a group uh, called millennium. And the confusing thing is that uh, there's Millennium Kart Racing and there's a Millennium Family Entertainment Center. And so the people that that we connected with, in fact, I was on Zoom with one of the owners, Amy. We connected with her and we tried to convince her to open back up and we would try to get people to attend Millennium Family Entertainment Center, which was had all kinds of cool play stuff laser tag and bump bumper cars and um, a climbing wall arcade they have you could have events there parties there you could have all kinds of things there and they had uh, the most of variety they had the lion's share of the variety of things in the building but then the guy that they leased their space from was a guy named john buckland a former police officer who had Millennium Kart Racing. So uh, so uh, Courtney knew these people and had talked to them many times about the plight of their business because they shut it down. They couldn't keep going. They didn't have enough money. They, they didn't have enough business, and people were afraid they were going to get sick and die. And so um, they, shut, they shut down their business. So we had tried to talk to them about opening up, staying open, right? So in when telling this story, uh, she said that the Millennium business shut down. And so John Buckland took offense to that. And it's interesting because the, the two families that put together what turned out to be Millennium Family Entertainment Center didn't even want to call it that. It was John Buckland's idea to change the name to Millennium so it could be the Millennium Place. So just by a slip of the tongue, she knew who she was talking about and said this this place shut down john buckland got all upset and went on facebook and had to like right you couldn't just let it go right he went on facebook and whined and uh, and attacked her as if she was intentionally lying which was unfortunate and then my friend joe bettencourt court took an article that was a fallacious article that was totally 100% fake news. Joe doesn't know anything what he's talking about. Much respected Joe, but he's way outside his realm. Up in Butte County, what had happened is Courtney Ortega and a group of citizens had gone from city council to city council meeting and supervisor to supervisor meeting in our counties up here and approached the, the uh, leaders, the elected officials, by Zoom, because remember, everything was shut down. They approached them by Zoom, and they uh, asked them to open their meetings up, that they were violating the Constitution, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be open, and to come back to their meeting halls and to open their meetings up with no masks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they worked on that, and it worked on all the, in- the entities, four entities. 
So there was a group of people that asked Courtney and others to come to Butte County and attend a city council meeting. So Courtney and a couple others drove up to Butte County to help up there to get the meeting open. And when they got up there, the meeting was open. The city council meeting was open. And they walked right in and had a seat and waited for the council meeting to open. They didn't have signs. They didn't throw things. They didn't fart. They didn't do anything. They didn't scream. They didn't have whistles like like pro-abortion people do. They just sat there. And once they were sitting there, people started coming in, some of the bosses around there in Butte County, and they started saying, you can't be in here. And they started having a discussion with them. Out of that, the city council people turned that into the police, and then the police posted their pictures. They never arrested them. Courtney Ortega was never arrested. She never went to court. Nothing happened. They just wrote this incredible article that was totally blown out of proportion. Nobody misbehaved. They were just sitting in a meeting. And Joe Bettencourt took that as if she is a uh, rabble-rouser, uh, lawless person. I see more lawless people at the Office of the Year banquet drinking too much alcohol in Sutter, Yuba, Sutter County. Courtney Ortega didn't cause any problems, and Joe's posted that twice on Facebook, and he should be ashamed of himself. Now, uh, uh, John Buckland, because he got butt hurt over the deal, because uh, she just misspoke. She wasn't thinking about John Buckland or his go-karts in the thing. She just happened to say Millennium because they both call themselves Millennium at the request of John Buckland. So he went on and said, we've never have shut down. That's incorrect, John. I know you're John. You're a man of your word because you're a police officer. However, I'm so glad you never wrote a report on me because I would have to have somebody go through that with a fine tooth comb because you're not very accurate yourself there, buddy. And I think you ought to stay sober when you write stuff down. So here's the deal. John goes on Facebook and says, She's a liar, basically, in his own words, right? He doesn't say the word, but he says she's got problems getting the facts straight, right? You know, you know the typical baloney. Uh, Dan Flores knew it was baloney, but he's, you know, that's just the type of person he is. He ain't by, he ain't, he isn't a true blue guy. And so he goes after C Courtney Ortega because what she said was exactly correct in the way she meant it, but he took it. Like, oh, it, you know, in other words, he said, well, are we never shut down? Yes, he did. Both Millennium Family Entertainment and the go-kart people all shut down because Dr. Luce said to shut down and Gavin Newsom said to shut down and they all shut down. Did they go out of business immediately? Nope. It was, it was, uh, it took a few months before we could find out who was going to go out of business, right? Do you notice some businesses turned their lights back on and then some businesses didn't? You remember that, folks? So John Buckland says, because uh, I, I wrote and I just said something like briefer than I just said this. I just said, hey, by the way, the, the whole thing with the uh, EDs, the whole thing with the uh, Millennium Entertainment people was we were trying to get them some business and bring some church youth groups over there and put some money in their pocket. That's all that was about. And they blew that up in that forum and made her look like, you know, there's, you remember that saying? No good deed goes unpunished. Well, all she was trying to do is say she was aware that people lost everything uh, over this COVID deal. And, uh, and John took offense to it. And so he went out, and I'm going to read what he wrote to me, because I just explained what I just said 
in about three paragraphs, three short paragraphs, that she was just trying to do some good. And I, I was also involved in it because I, so I'm not, it's not hearsay. I have firsthand knowledge. <laughs> I have firsthand knowledge talking to one of the proprietors. And so he, he writes, Lou Benninger, so the in- misinformation continues. And then he says the EDC, the Economic Development Commissioner Committee, that's the group that Dan Flores was on. And he tried to write himself his own low interest loan. Do you remember me telling you that last week? He says the EDC, because I mentioned that John Buckland got money from the government to run his go-kart thing. That's I didn't say he's a bad person. I just said he did, right? So he says it was the EDC through Sutter County provided my business with COVID relief funds. Now, now people say, oh, well, the supervisors didn't give, give them the money the EDC to. That's not true. The supervisors got the money, and they divvied it up the way they wanted. So they gave a certain amount of money to the EDC. It's, all, it's just one hand putting, putting it in each different pocket. And you, if you think that the EDC in little old Yuba-Sutter County is so independent that they, they're independent of any influence of a supervisor, you're smoking the green stuff. The EDC through Sutter County, John says, provided my business with COVID relief funds. We received $20,000. Now, this is where it gets kind of slick. We paid a portion of those funds back. He, he just leaves out what portion that was. Was it a dollar? <laughs> was it $10? Was it $25, John? Was it $1,000, John? We paid a portion of those funds back with the remaining balance converted to a grant. Do you know what grant a grant is? That's not, do you know that there's no, you know, there was Ulysses grant, but this isn't a family by the name of grant that gives money away. A grant means you got somebody just slapped a 20 in your palm and just squeezed and said, love you, bro. Right? So what he's saying is the majority of that 20,000, he doesn't want to say how much because it's going to, he's it's going to look like, you know, he got himself, he got his palm greased. That's what happened with John. We paid a portion of those funds back with the remaining balance. Now, if, if he paid $19,000 back, do you think he might have said it, old John? Yep, he would have said it there. But he said, we paid a portion of those funds back with the remaining balance converted to a grant. That means gr- greasing my palm, baby, because I got connections. These funds helped me save our business early in the pandemic. Millennium Family Entertainment, that's the other people that we tried to help, did not file bankruptcy. I think, I think that Courtney said they, they might have filed bankruptcy because I think that discussion the day I had it with one of the partners is she said, it looks like we're going to have to file bankruptcy. So is there, it, was that a grave mistake by Courtney? Not really uh, because they were, they were desperate, right? And sometimes you don't want to file bankruptcy, but you're forced to by your creditors. So he's splitting hairs and he wants to make Courtney a real big liar. Now, John keeps getting arrested, you know. So there's lots of other issues here with John drinking, getting arrested. And this is a guy now that's poking uh, fun at this gal by saying that they, she thought that the Millennia Family Entertainment did not file bankruptcy. Technically, they didn't, but they still might. I just talked to them. We assisted them in financial recovery. This is so hilarious. We assisted them in financial recovery by purchasing some of their equipment at a liquidation auction. Let me tell you what this. You ever seen, you ever seen a vulture? 
land on a deer that's been hit by a car? <laughs> that's John. We assisted them in financial recovery. Oh, baby, he sounded like Barack Obama. Ready-made job, just going to bless him. He, like, picked, picked up all their stuff that they, that they turned over to him, pennies on the dollar, covering debt they owed to him, right? He's, the, he's their landlord. You know, in the paper, it, they, I was told today that it said that he leased all their stuff to them the way it was written. Maybe it was just a reporter getting it wrong. Give him the benefit of the doubt, right? They, all he leased them was space and air in that place. They built everything in that place. They built it from scratch. He said, we assisted them in financial recovery. That's not what they would say, right? I just talked to them before I came on this show. He said the entertainment business was were impacted greatly. I would agree with that. And they received funding grants from the federal government, state governments. Anyway, so I, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to take a break here, and then we'll come right back, and I want to talk a little bit more about it. Then we'll move on. I know, I know this is local stuff, but this is the, the divisive stuff that happened in every community regarding COVID, particularly blue communities. The big point, and we're going to restate it because it's the whole point, is this. Anyone who is angered by the prospect of American citizens expressing their opinions is a Stalinist and should be feared. We no longer need to guess who those people are. They have conveniently self-identified. It's a clarifying moment, but it's also a little scary because at this point there is no going back. Once the kidnapper shows you his face, he can't release you. God knows what happens next. The Biden administration has jumped with all four paws into this, signaling it's going to use the weight of the federal government to crush Elon Musk because he wants you to speak freely. The day that Musk announced his intention to buy Twitter, the feds opened a probe into Tesla. That would be his electric car company and the source of the wealth that made it possible for him to buy Twitter. And at the same time, the Biden administration's allies in the media are uniting to defame Elon Musk and destroy him as a man, because that's what they do. He's a racist! <laughs> They're about to do that to us again. The New York Times editorial board just published a stirring defense of censorship in a newspaper. On Twitter, the Times complained Musk will be free to, quote, body shame people. He can also, quote, poo-poo sound health regulations and shout down critics. And that can't be allowed. Thou shalt not body shame Tony Fauci. Tony Fauci is a very tall man. And by the way, the vaccines work flawlessly. Not very subtle. CNBC was even less subtle, by the way, in its character assassinations. That channel granted anonymity to a source identified as, quote, close to some of the Democratic Party's biggest Silicon Valley mega donors. What did this source come over to CNBC to say? Quote, Musk is a great engineer and businessman, but I would not trust him with my daughter. Oh, so he's a rapist now. Got it. Okay. No evidence whatsoever. But you should be afraid for your daughters because Elon Musk wants free speech. And NBC Nightly News, in between prostate health segments, strongly agrees with that. Watch them tell you that free speech endangers women way more than abortion clinics, TikTok, and Teen Vogue. Watch. And some critics are concerned that Musk's pursuit of free speech will collide with growing safety problems on Twitter, especially for women and minorities. 
do you trust Elon Musk to make Twitter better for women? No, I, I don't trust Elon Musk to make Twitter better for women at all. Oh, it's bad for women. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, the rich and titled ladies won't have a voice. Okay. But of course, they, well, everyone will have a voice. And that's what they're mad about. What they don't want is the coming of diversity, the one thing they say they love. There's no diversity at Twitter. As it stands, 99% of recent political donations from Twitter employees have gone to Democrats. 99%, 98.7, to be precise. Now, how much is that? Well, per, for perspective, Kim Jong-un got a much smaller level of support from workers at the central Pyongyang steel plant recently. So 99% of anything is a bad sign. It's a terrifying level of conformity. It suggests brain death. But brain death is what they're demanding. And that tells you everything. As Elon Musk himself wrote today, quote, the extreme antibody reaction from those who fear free speech says it all. And it certainly does. Jason Whitlock is here to say more. He's the host of Fearless, and we're always happy to have him on this show. Jason, thanks so much for coming on tonight. So you've watched all of this. You've been writing about it. What's your reaction? Uh, first, I just want to salute you. Hats off. One of your best monologues, and that's saying a lot. Uh, <laughs> I hope that I can meet your standard. I, Tucker, I want to analogize this to the movie Don't Look Up. Leonardo DiCaprio's last movie on Netflix. It was an analogy about climate change about a meteor coming to hit, a comet coming to hit Earth and destroy everything. It was a spoof on climate change. We're looking at political climate change, and the left is losing its mind. They ignored the warnings from the Tea Party. They ignored the warnings from the MAGA movement. They ignored the warnings delivered in a big, powerful way on January the 6th. And now they have to deal with the ramifications of that People like Elon Musk, hats off to him, man with the money is fed up with their censorship and their tactics and the whole climate around media, the woke media, CNN Plus collapse, Rachel Maddow running away from her TV show, Netflix collapsing, losing subscribers. We're in the middle of the climate change that America needs and the left is losing its mind. Don't look up. They're all scared. The term bread and circuses comes from an ancient Roman poet describing how the people are governed, not by excellence in public service, but by food and distractions, like a herd of livestock. Today's circuses can be found on Twitter a reflection of the human herd's short attention span, meaningless distractions to keep everyone calm while their food supply is being destroyed. While fools joke about Biden doing a horrible job, his administration is doing such an efficient job of destroying America that anyone running in 2024, if there is an election, will have to run on the Build Back Better platform. Starvation has been used as a weapon of mass destruction for years. In just a two-year period, Stalin's communist government murdered over three million people in Ukraine by simply pulling the strings of bureaucracy, sanctions. The Ethiopian counterinsurgency burned crops and food stores, airily bombed food markets, and restricted trade. They then began a resettlement plan that killed at least 80,000 people 
with further starvation. The U.S. State Department murdered over half a million women and children in Iraq with starvation by sanctions. And this is exactly what is happening in America today. The Biden administration's sanctions against Russia are only succeeding at killing more innocent people all over the world by dramatically cutting down the worldwide food supply. There is already a significant wheat, fuel, and fertilizer shortage, which is obviously going to affect everything else, starting with fresh produce and livestock. But in order to completely collapse the food economy, they'll have to start destroying food packing plants as well, so that there is nothing left on the shelves for you to eat. There have been confirmed over a dozen disabling accidents at food plants in the last month, over a dozen. Absolutely, and we're talking about some really significant plants. The Taylor Farms facility in Salinas, California, was completely destroyed by a fire last week. We've had two major potato processing plants in Belfast, Maine, and Warden, Washington, that were completely gutted, which is happening at a time where we already have a potato shortage globally. You were talking about the onion supply at that Rio Fresh, but it's not just produce plants. Last month, there was a fire that took out a Nestle uh, food plant out in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Arkansas, and that's impacting frozen food brands like Hot Pockets or Stouffer's, which maybe you might buy if you can't get fresh food from a warehouse that just exploded. Those still satiated with their bread and circuses are soon going to start getting hungry. And it's because America is under siege, being destroyed from within by a corrupt government while the people seek fairness on Twitter. John goes on to say, we're back for our third segment. John goes on to say, I will not discuss. This is, I'm, I'm, this is not a personal letter. This was posted on Facebook. Oh, Zuckerberg's operation. He just wanted God and everybody to read it. Wasn't personal. I will not discuss, or is it any of your business? I never asked him about any of his business. He's the one that sh- shouted it from the rooftops, baby. You need to get off the sauce there, homeboy. Get off the sauce, smoke a little of the hash. They'll take it easy on you. You've been sleeping in the car too much. I will not discuss, or is it any of your business, what funding was received by our tenant or the balance of unpaid lease payments. So the words he's saying is that they were behind seven months in lease payments. I'm just going to say he's he's not telling the truth. It's the truth. He's not telling the truth. And I'm not going to, I never asked him anything about his finances. I haven't had any conversation. I don't know why he's directing this. I will not discuss, or is it any of your business? He's writing this to me. I don't know why he's talking to me like this. I not care about his business. I don't care how much alcohol he drinks, how many people he talks stupid to, grabs in the crotch. John, you need to keep, quit grabbing people in the crotch over there at that millennium place. I will not discuss or is it any of your business what funding was received by our tenant or the balance of unpaid lease payments. I know about it, John, now because you you wrote this and so I went and found out. All I'm saying is that you guys took advantage of a very fine person by the name of Courtney Ortega. 
who would serve this community so well and would not be biased and would not be selling schools to schools. She would not be going and trying to get illegal loans from the EDC that now John's very familiar with. And she wouldn't have people like Joe Betancourt sending, posting stuff that's just fallacious on Facebook about her. That was a scam article from some weird reporter up up in uh, that had no truth. Not the only truth it had in it was Courtney Ortega happened to be sitting in a city council meeting. Now I have sat in a number of meetings, and if somebody came in and arrested me, which they didn't do, her. They never apprehended her. So I'll tell you, Courtney Ortega is not going to have anybody put posting weird stuff on Facebook like Joe Bettencourt did. And and isn't it interesting to me that Dan Flores keeps doing business and making all this money off the Sutter County school system, and then his brother ends up working for the Sutter County school system, and his mother in law and his wife end up working at the school for the Sutter County school system for a time. Now, isn't that interesting? It's just, you know, to me, it, it just is an odd situation that comes up and, and you people, you know, when people do this, they say there, there's nothing wrong with good old Dan. He's like, he just as honest as the day is long. He, but every time I look around, he's got, He's got, I just, we've been trying to get the rats and the mice out of the, the place we're remodeling. And, and those, those pest control people are so bright. I'm so proud of having them over there. And they find, they leave these little droplets all over that, that building over there. And Dan just leaves droplets all over the community where he's dipping up a 10,000 here, 5,000 here, 25,000, 100,000 here, 450,000 there. Just picking up here, there, 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 there. I just think. People ought to try to make their money elsewhere, not in government, not not being a politician. Shouldn't double, triple, quadruple dip. I think it's wrong. So I'm going to just leave that there for the time being. I got some other stuff to talk about today. And uh, so here we go. It says Bill Gates is the largest investor in vaccines, and we have a pandemic. What a coincidence. Bill Gates is the largest owner of land in America. And now we have a food crisis. Just another coincidence. And Bill Gates is the largest investor in renewables. And now we have a complete oil shortage. Did you notice any of these things? And did you know anything about Bill Gates? Oh, my goodness. These people are unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Uh, let's see. Okay. I want to make sure I'm going to lose my mind here in a minute. Uh, okay. Uh, let me just see what I want to do here, right? Okay, COVID. Let me just, oh, I know what I got to do. I need to introduce and play a clip. This is a long clip, but I'm telling you, you ever wonder what happened the last couple of years, besides the fact that all the COVID nonsense, right? Like what's behind it all or what's going on in the hearts and minds of American people? I had a wiki man, Santos Vigil, who runs the radio show with me. He sent me this clip, and I, it's a little long, but I got to play it. And it says, why are most people cowards? And I'm going to play this right now, and um, then I'll be right back with you. 
Authoritarianism in religion and science, let alone politics, is becoming increasingly accepted, not particularly because so many people explicitly believe in it, but because they feel themselves individually powerless and anxious. So what else can one do except follow the mass political leader, or follow the authority of customs, public opinion, and social expectations? The American psychologist Rollo May wrote these words in 1953, and in the decades that followed, the West tiptoed into tyranny. A mass surveillance state was established. Free speech gave way to increasing levels of censorship. Statist bureaucracy and stifling regulations invaded ever more areas of life, and tax rates reached levels that in the past would have caused a revolution. However, in recent years, this tiptoe into tyranny has turned into a sprint as some Western countries are flirting with full-blown totalitarian rule. But the existence of power-hungry and psychologically disturbed politicians who desire total control is not what makes our situation particularly precarious, for such individuals exist in all ages. Rather, our troubles lie with the fact that very few people possess the one virtue that can turn the tide back in the direction of freedom, that being the virtue of courage. And as Alexander Solzhenitsyn warned in 1978, a decline in courage may be the most striking feature which an outside observer notices in the West in our days. Should one point out that from ancient times declining courage has been considered the beginning of the end? In this video we are going to explore how a hyperconformity and blind obedience has infected the West and, in the process, crowded out the cultivation of courage. We will discuss how a widespread cowardice is permitting the rise of authoritarianism, and how a rebirth of courage is the antidote to our precarious political predicament. The pathological conformity that infects the West is generations in the making and the result of a confluence of factors. It is driven by a value system in which social validation occupies a preeminent position. It is furthered by the use of social media and the fact that success on these platforms is achieved by virtue signaling and conforming to the moral flavors of the day. It is also a product of an education system which deifies the democratic ideal and promotes the rights of the majority over the rights of the individual. These factors, combined with others, has created a society of hyperconformists. And as Rollo May explained, the opposite to courage in our particular age is automaton conformity. One of the ways that Western conformity manifests is through a blind obedience and a pathological need to follow rules. Most people believe that to be a good person is to be a compliant person, and to do what one is told by those in positions of political power and their lackeys in the media and celebrity culture. In acting with blind obedience, the conformist fails to differentiate between morality and legality and so remains willfully ignorant of the fact that government rules can be immoral, driven by corruption, and that sometimes they pave the way for individual and social ruin. Or as Rollo May explains, Our particular problem in the present day is an overwhelming tendency toward conformity. In such times, ethics tend more and more to be identified with obedience. One is good to the extent that one obeys the dictates of society. It is as though the more unquestioning obedience the better. But what really is ethical about obedience? If one's goal were simple obedience, one could train a dog to fulfill the requirements very well. 
To see other people exercise independent judgment, self-responsibility, and self-reliance disturbs the conformists' belief in the value of obedience and so threatens their sense of self. It is not the case, therefore, that the conformist obeys while permitting others the freedom to make their own choice. Rather, as Stanley Feldman explains in a paper titled Enforcing Conformity, people who value social conformity support the government when it wants to increase its control over social behavior and punish nonconformity. Valuing social conformity increases the motivation for placing restrictions on behavior. The desire for social freedom is now subservient to the enforcement of social norms and rules. Thus, groups will be targeted for repression to the extent that they challenge social conformity. When a majority advocates for the government enforcement of conformity, a society places itself on what the psychologist Irvin Staub called a continuum of destruction. As the government uses coercion and force to punish a non-compliant minority, the majority rationalizes their support of such authoritarian measures by further demonizing the non-compliant thus leading to increasingly severe government measures. One psychological consequence of harm-doing is further devaluation of victims. People tend to assume that victims have earned their suffering by their actions or character. In several countries in the 20th century, such as the Soviet Union, Turkey, Germany, Cambodia, and China, government measures such as banning certain minority groups from restaurants, pubs, cafes, and other public spaces imposing curfews, expelling them from their jobs, forcing them to pay fines, and restricting their freedom of movement and assembly, functioned as the first steps on a continuum of destruction that ended in mass scapegoating, mass imprisonment, and mass murder. In his book The Psychology of Good and Evil, Irvin Staub elaborates on the psychological mechanism that facilitates a continuum of destruction. How does harmful behavior become the norm? Doing harm to a good person or passively witnessing it is inconsistent with a feeling of responsibility for the welfare of others and the belief in a just world. Inconsistency troubles us. We minimize it by reducing our concern for the welfare of those we harm or allow to suffer. We devalue them, justify their suffering by their evil nature or by higher ideals. A changed view of the victims, changed attitude toward that suffering, and changed self-concept result. To counter the continuum of destruction that is a product of too much conformity and too much government force, more people need to act with moral courage. Moral courage entails a willingness to encounter risks so as to defy immoral orders, reject authoritarian government control, and to stand up for the disappearing values of truth, freedom, and justice. And as Rushworth Kidder explains in his book Moral Courage, where there's no danger, there's no courage. Anyone can endure security and well-being. The real challenges arise in the face of hazard. So it is with moral courage, where danger is endured for the sake of an overarching commitment to conscience, principles, or core values. Some acts of moral courage are accompanied by mild risks, such as being ridiculed, insulted, or ostracized. If, for example, we speak out against a status quo belief in the presence of a group of conformists, or if we refuse to adhere to social practices or mandates that are immoral or idiotic, we may lose friends or attract choice words from the obedient, but this is a small price to pay in exchange for doing what we believe is right, for as Rollo May explains, the hallmark of courage in our age of conformity is the capacity to stand on one's own convictions. 
However, sometimes acts of moral courage are accompanied by more grave risks including, but not limited to, the loss of employment, physical or financial penalties, imprisonment, or in some cases, even death. Of all the agonizing ethical dilemmas facing humanity, writes Rushworth Kidder, few are more wrenching than the choice between what's right for the world and what's right for you and your family. Carl Jung called the men and women willing to confront great dangers in defiance of tyranny the true leaders of mankind. And to learn about the mindset of one of these leaders, we can turn to the story of Viktor Pestov. In 1967, Pestov was a 20-year-old living in the Soviet Union. His family was well-off by Soviet standards, and his mother was a high-ranking member of the KGB. Yet Pestov could not avert his eyes from the boot of tyranny that was crushing society, and so he took a keen interest in political matters. And when Soviet tanks rode into Czechoslovakia and violently stamped out the human rights protest known as the Prague Spring, Pestov told his friend, We must do something about this. Pestov and his brother set up a clandestine group called Free Russia, and he warned those who joined that they would likely be arrested within the year. Yet all agreed that the battle for freedom justified the risk, and so they began publishing pamphlets exposing the lies of the Soviet regime and snuck out in the dead of night to distribute them. The KGB quickly identified the group as a threat, and in 1970, Pestov was arrested. His mother was fired from the KGB and never allowed to work in Russia again and Pestov was sentenced to five years in a Soviet prison camp. Pestov decided to stand up to the Soviet regime and therein place himself and inadvertently his mother in great danger because he could not in good conscience sit idly by as a corrupt regime of thousands destroyed the lives of millions. He understood that if he did not stand up for the freedom of others, he could not expect others to stand up for his, and that if nobody did anything, everyone was doomed. And so, he chose to face danger, to fight for freedom, and to place a portion of the fate of society on his back. He saw himself as fighting against the malevolent idea that someone will think for you, someone will make decisions for you, and as he explained, a person should be the master of his own fate. In a conversation with Rushworth Kidder, Pestov reflected on the grave dangers he voluntarily faced and on the five years he spent in prison. I believe I did the right thing, Pestov concluded. I wasn't silent. I was saying and doing what I had to do. There was a very small contribution of mine to the fact that the communists were pushed out of power. Unless more people can muster up the moral courage to renounce conformity in favor of standing up for freedom and for what is right, and at the very least make a small contribution to combating tyranny, Western societies will continue moving towards what Ayn Rand called the stage of the ultimate inversion, or as she warns, we are fast approaching the stage of the ultimate inversion, the stage where the government is free to do anything it pleases, while the citizens may act only by permission, which is the stage of the darkest periods of human history, the stage of rule by brute force. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. I've listened to that a couple times, and I think I'm going to have to listen to that a couple more times, just get more and more stuff out of that clip about the, the way our brains have been shaped through propaganda and changed for what the, from what the founders uh, felt about how to live in our freedom. I want to make a couple more comments about uh, this uh, situation at Millennium. Um, have you ever gone to a yard sale and bought something where you 
something was 50 cents and you negotiated them down to a dime, right? Just some ridiculous negotiation, right? Why why not just pay them what they want? A book, like a book, and they want 50 cents. They probably paid 20 for it, right? Did you ever feel like when you went to a yard sale or you went to an you know, you went to somebody who was selling all the stuff. They had it out on the corner. And uh, did you ever feel like you were helping them in their financial recovery? <laughs> Only John Buckland could write this. We assisted them in their financial recovery. Unbelievable. And then he suggested in this thing that they have a balance of unpaid. I have no business to know the balance balance of unpaid lease payments. Like he's still owing money, that they still owe him money. Unbelievable, unbelievable guy. These people told me, he said, Lou, when we moved to Florida, they said we just couldn't believe how easy it was down here. There weren't people arguing with each other. Hardly anybody wore masks. You could go in and eat at any restaurant right in the middle of COVID, the COVID thing. It was like a island. It used to be like the United States used to be an island of freedom when all these refugees would come here from getting bombed, right? And getting, coming out of concentration camps, they'd come to the island of freedom called America. Now we got certain states that are free. They said, Lou, we could go into any store. Nobody care. They're all high, high. Instead of people arguing with each other and telling, Hey, put on your mask, put on your mask, put on, how come you don't have the mask? Stand back, stand back, stand back, stand on the X over there. There were no X's on the floor. She said, Lou, there weren't any X's on the floor. And, uh, I just, I just got a total kick out of it. She said, Lou, we're so happy down here. And, uh, she said, you know, Lou, if we had our millennium, uh, family entertainment down here during COVID, it would have never shut down. It was all just the state of California. We, we could it, no entertainment pro, uh, operation shut down in, in this state. And she just said, it's sad. You know, we just invested all this money and all this work and all this time. And because we are in the wrong state, it destroyed it destroyed our whole business. So we're going to come back here in a minute. We're finished with half the show. And uh, we got three more segments. Thank you for listening. There are boss moves and then there are boss moves. In response to the corrupt globalist agenda and to the smear campaign against his country, Putin has decided to sanction 13 Americans. 13. Let's just say that those who know, know. Amongst those sanctioned are Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, and our favorite useless bureaucrat, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley. God, this is so great. But that's not all. The Russian Foreign Ministry warned that if they don't stop with their BS, that list will expand to include U.S. officials, military officers, lawmakers, business owners, and media figures. I wonder who that could be. But what does a sanction mean? It means that those named won't be able to enter Russia, and best of all, their assets in Russia will be frozen. This is everything because Putin is using his power and resources to fight the globalist agenda. He's drying up their money supply. God, I'd hate to be Nancy Pelosi right now. Putin is the only world leader that is calling out the globalists responsible for the current mess that we're in by name. And he's targeting them, not us. Keep in mind that the WHO is currently seeking a global authoritarian treaty. 
which would give it sovereignty over all nations during a health emergency. If it's adopted, the WHO will dictate mandates around the globe, setting up the globalist dystopia of a new world order. The first meeting was on March 1st of this year, and only one country sent in a letter of objection, Russia. Do you see it yet? To those of you who are offended because you think I'm celebrating a conflict, save it. Nobody is celebrating a war, but I am celebrating a win against the new world order. God bless America. Would anybody like to hear the letter that I read? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Gowdy, on Wednesday you stated on Hugh Hewitt's radio show that Congress doesn't have the authority to subpoena the server Hillary used during her term as Secretary of the State because, quote, House rules do not provide for that authority. You, sir, have just admitted that you and the rest of the House believe that Congress is powerless and that we live in a kingdom. I am absolutely sickened by the conviction with which you repeat this lie. I guess this is what happens when we elect politicians who are fundamentally ignorant of the Constitution, its purpose, and the power and duty it imposes upon our elected representatives. This statement is so repulsive delivery, so aberrant to the principles of separation of powers, and so loathsome to the understanding of our constitutional republic that any representative who believes what you said in this radio interview should be ashamed of themselves. Alexander Hamilton said this, your consciences will reproach you for your folly and your children's children will curse you. Why don't house rules give Congress authority? Because house rules are invented by politicians to create excuses for not following the Constitution. Then they don't have to do the right thing, they can do the politically easy thing. Mr. Gowdy, if what you say is true, we are all subjects to the executive branch and that means we all live in a kingdom and not a constitutional republic. Sir, I believe you have forgotten that the House of Representatives is the people, and that you have just announced to the world that the people of America are powerless to their government. I really do not know how to express just how despicable our Congress has really become. Here's my advice. Stop making excuses and do your job. Stop worrying about House rules and follow the Constitution. If Congress is so fundamentally ignorant as to what that job is, then perhaps they all need to immediately resign their positions and attend some remedial training. May I advise that you need not abandon your I may I advise that you need to abandon your errant law school training. I know I went there and get some truth. Hey Trey, I am not a subject. And if you believe you have no power to represent us, if you believe you have no power to defend liberty, if you believe you are powerless in front of a criminal who has participated in the murder of citizens, violated her constitutional duty to the people, has aided and abetted the enemy and should be charged with treason and conspiracy to murder, you need to hang your head in shame, turn in your resignation, and go home. May I suggest you reread Article 2, Section 4? If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to contact me. I have some good sources on constitutional truth to recommend. Perhaps you might begin with Federalist 69 and the Cato Letters. Perhaps this article I've written might help you. Sincerely, in liberty, Chris Ann Hall. Do you know that I was viciously attacked by conservatives for that letter. How dare you attack Trey Gowdy? He's up there working hard. He's doing what he can. He's limited in blah, 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 blah. 
You know what? I'm sick of their talk. Yeah. Trey Gowdy and all of these conservatives on these congressional hearings are a bunch of bulldogs with no teeth, all bark and no bite. And it's about time that we teach them some lessons. Yeah. He did not answer my letter. Can you imagine? I mean, seriously. The neat, nice thing was, right, because I mentioned Article 2, Section 4. Anybody know what that is? Oh, yeah. Impeachment. So most of the attack was, oh, you can't impeach Hillary. You can't impeach Hillary. She's not in office anymore. That's a total lie. We've already established the precedent that you can impeach somebody who was in office that's not in office anymore. That has already happened by Congress. And after I wrote that letter and all that stuff stirred up, Judge Napolitano did a whole show on how you can impeach Hillary Clinton based on the precedent. So I was like, woo, maybe Judge Napolitano read my letter because that's better than Trey Gowdy answering it anyway. Okay. I went to the hospital, Adventist Hospital, <clears throat> this week. You know, in town, if you run around town, Yuba Sutter area in California, uh, again, we're, we're in the most oppressive state in the union right now. So in California, where I live, uh, generally around town, very few people wear a mask anymore. But if, if you go, like, in the jail, they all have to wear masks unless they've changed without telling me. And if you go to juvenile hall, they tell me that all the kids have to wear masks. That's child abuse, folks. Um, I, I spoke there for over 30 years, and they said, Luke, come back and speak. You have to wear a mask, and you have to do this, you have to do that. I said, find, find somebody else. I said, obviously, I'm not going to do that. It's ridiculous. And uh, so, but if, like, for instance, I took uh, my Afghan friend, um, this Afghan family that were getting resettled, the oldest one in the family is 81, and he had a health crisis, and he had to go to the hospital at Adventist in the middle of the night by ambulance. So I, these folks don't drive, so I was driving him to the hospital, and I was going to go up and pray for the guy and uh, with them and help them find their way through the hospital because they don't, they don't speak any English, and they read a little bit. So anyway, I went over there, and they said, Lou, we think we got to have a shot card. They have a shot card because the first thing Biden did when they brought 56,000 people and they wanted to get them all injected with COVID uh, poison and get the numbers up. So at the military bases, they jabbed them all. And so they had the jab card and they said, Oh, we need this. Cause, and they need my, and they said, we need an ID. So I said, okay, I got an ID, no jab card. So got over there and they said, sure enough, they said, if you don't have a jab card, Lou, you can't go in and, and uh, unless you got a current PCR clean test, I thought both frauds, one's going to kill you and one's going to lie about you, right? One's going to kill you, one's going to lie about you. And so I said, hey, I'm just here to bring them over. I wanted to show them, try to get them up there. They're just here from Afghanistan, fresh off the boat, kind of. And, uh, I, and I want to go pray for the dad. And the girl was really compassionate. You know, all these people that are employees of these places, with these stupid re the stupid dogmas 
she was very kind. She said, oh, I'm sure there's an exception for praying for somebody. So she sent me over to this other dog and he said, no exceptions, dude. He started to explain himself. I said, Hey, 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 no need to explain just yes or no. We're good. I'm going to go outside and read the paper. <laughs> and so I prayed for the guy from outside, you know, you know, with God, you can pray for somebody and not be in the room with them. So since they wouldn't go allow me to go in the room with them, I just did it long distance telepathy, right? If psychics can do it, I can do it too. So anyway, my only point is I want to ask you how much confidence you have in the hospital that's going to force some a, a, an injection on you to kill you or is going to make you stick something up your nose that has ethylene oxide on it that's going to give a 90 percentile wrong reading. How much would you trust your life over there? Now, I've had some surgeries over the last few years. I have not had any in that hospital. Not because I got a bad attitude about the hospital, but now I'm getting one. I am getting an attitude. And I, I've had some great surgeries. Every time I have a surgery, uh, I, I've had, I have nothing. Thank God, I've had 100% success. But I'm just telling you, that we have strongholds in every community of nonsense. And one is that hospital over there. And, and we have the government everywhere. The government is, is a stronghold like the jails. And I, I like the jails. I think they're doing a good work, but they are under the authority. I'm not, it isn't their idea. They're under the authority of people above them that they will sue them if they don't wear those stupid masks. You think, oh, how can we lose our freedom? Baby, we've lost our freedom. If, if you don't get it. And, and when I was talking to these friends that used to have the, uh, these folks that used to have the Millennium Place uh, next to John Buckland, in there with John Buckland, uh, they said, Lou, you just wouldn't, it's just totally free down here. It's unbelievable. And uh, so I said, well, is your, their partners in this Millennium thing were uh, uh, her sister. There's two sisters and their husbands. And the other ones, I said, what are they going to do? And they said, Lou, they're preparing to leave. They're moving. And they're leaving the state. So uh, I just saw where I wrote an article for the Territorial Dispatch. It may not be in for a few weeks. I wrote a few articles, but I, I just, I, I was shocked. Because I kept seeing where about 100 and maybe 100 and, it was 100 and 150, 180,000 people had left the state last year. U.S. Census, baby, 380-some thousand have left the state of California. They're gone. Boom. And uh, so good people, too, uh, real fine people. These people are really good people that ran Millennium, and uh, they just wrong place, wrong time. You know, you swing and miss. My dad lost two businesses in three years, uh, one burned down and one flooded out. That just You're just swinging and missing. The only thing that kept him going was him. He just kept going. And things got better for him next, but he lost everything twice in a row. So I'll, I want you, I've been thinking about hospitals because I was, uh, I, a few years ago, I'd, I'd noticed a book. Um, somebody referred to a book in an article. I think it was, I don't know, it was a Christian Science Monitor, the Wall Street Journal. Somebody referred to this book called The Slaughter, like Slaughterhouse, Slaughter, The Slaughter. And it was a, referring to the fact that the, the people of the uh, government of China uh, kills prisoners, uh, criminals, and uh, people that haven't committed crimes, but they're, they're, crimin they're uh, prisoners of conscience. P they're 
religious prisoners, philosophical prisoners. They, in other words, they didn't rip anybody off or rape anybody or steal from anybody or whatever, right? Sock anybody. So they, they, uh, the idea was they were killing these people for their organs. In other words, kind of like if you had a, a, a good fish restaurant and, and instead of like bringing in fish from the ocean, you had fish right underneath the restaurant in a pond. And so whatever they ordered, you just went out there and netted it out of there and knocked it in the head, gutted it and gave them a fresh fish right out of the water. And, um, so that's what they're doing in China. I read about it many years ago. Very good book. It's called The Slaughter. Very worth reading. But I've been following articles ever since about it because I spent a lot of time in China over the years since the 1990s uh, and uh, in and out of many of the cities that, that uh, uh, many of the cities that people would recognize. I don't have time to, no pur- purpose in listing them all. So anyway, I was fascinated with the fact that they're killing certain people. I thought, well, who are they killing? And some the, the big group they're killing uh, in in the around the late nineties, uh, there was a spiritual group started called the Falun Gong, and uh, they were mainly they did meditation and Tai Chi, and uh, they just they just preach love and passion and forgiveness, and it was just and it took off. And millions of people were following uh, Falun Gong principles, and they weren't they weren't political. They just were out in parks, and they were doing their motions, and they were doing prayers, and they were seeing people healed. And it was not Christian. It was just uh, it was a combo. It was kind of a gulag goulash a mixture of different spiritual pursuits. So the Chinese government got fearful. Communists are full of fear, and they started locking them up. They locked up millions of them. And uh, to get them because they they were a threat to the to communist government. So they begin parting them out, uh, their organs out. Now, normally, if if your kid or your relative, let's just say, let's call it a relative, your relative has a bad kidney, you go on a kidney list, right? And you see if you're a donor, you find a, you know, you, you've got to, they do all the testing to see what kind of match you're going to need. And you may, you may or may not ever get a donor in your whole life right or you're you're waiting for somebody to die uh in a in, in a way that they the blood still gets to the organ in other words they get hit in the head but the blood's still pumping but they're brain dead so they're going to take them off the ventilator at some point but before they're going to harvest their organs if the or, if they found somebody dead in the river bottoms their organs are dead they're dead dead they're not any good for anybody else got it okay so there china has a menu of organs waiting for you if you want a uh, child's liver, you can get one for fifteen thousand six hundred dollars. Uh, you can get an adult liver for forty one thousand uh, dollars. Prices for single and double kidneys for children are also lower than those for adults by nine thousand four hundred dollars and twelve thousand five hundred dollars. So let me get up this other. There's another paragraph where it told more. Oh, here we go. If you want a kidney for, uh, let's see. Kidneys are at 25,000 up here at this deal. According to the list, organs for transplant include livers, 40,700. Kidneys, 25,000. Hearts, 15,600. Lungs, 
12,500. Corneas for the eye, 1,600 each. Pancreas, 7,800. Small intestines, uh, 50,000 yuan, which is 7,800 also. And, and they do other, they, they just, they'll do anything. They'll get anything. So some of the uh, heart, some of the transplant specialists around the world think the, uh, question some of those prices. The, of of how they relate to each other, hearts versus kidneys, etc. But I don't I don't want to get into the details on that. The interesting thing when they did research on this, there's an article. There's a lot of articles in the Epoch Times about this, and uh, they have written a number of articles and about uh, how how they've got it figured out. For instance, you know. A friend of mine, Dan Logue, died here recently, and he had a bad kidney, and I think he was waiting for a kidney, and he never got a kidney. If Dan was willing to murder somebody in China, have some, he didn't have to do it himself, Dan Logue. He could have just uh, said to China, he said, I'm coming over, I need a liver. I mean, sorry, he didn't need a liver, he needed a, a kidney. He could have said, I need a kidney, and they would have said, come on over this, how much it's going to cost. And then they would have looked at Dan's DNA, and then they have all their DNA of all their prisoners already taken. They draw your blood when they uh, you go to prison over there or you go to jail. They draw your blood, and then they do a DNA workup on you. So then when they do, when, when Dan, the Dan Logues of the world, <clears throat> who had a bad kidney, go over there, if he wanted to do that, he didn't. He died. If he did want to get a kidney, and he was willing to pay to have somebody murdered to give him one, uh, they could have got him one in a week. Now, that's impossible in any other country in the world uh, unless it's China because they are, they are uh, carving out organs per request. You get me? The person's alive when you decide you need a new liver, pancreas, cornea, your eye gets something happens, right? And you call up over there. Now, some of the people doing the undercover work have actually called the hospitals that do the, and, there's, and I have a, a map of all the hospitals that do this, a map. I got it. It's not a secret. And you can call the hospital and say, I, I need a uh, liver. And they say, okay, you can get one in a week or two weeks. When can you get over here? Right. And they said, and, and you know, and maybe there's a transfer of funds. But they will have the liver ready for you, and they'll put the liver in your body in the hospital. You do not transport, transport it elsewhere. So I don't know whether these prices include installation or whether it's just the price of the product. It sounds like it's just the price of the product, but they, but they will do the installs over there as well. Now, people, doctors in this country have told stories that they wouldn't put somebody on the transplant list because— they had too many other issues in their body. And so they said, I'm not, you know, there's certain qualifications to get on transplant lists. So one person, this doctor, this is an American doctor in an American city. This person needed a liver. And uh, so he didn't get on the transplant list because the doctor wouldn't authorize it. So life goes on. He, you know, everybody goes on with their life, busy, busy, busy. And then one day the guy walks into his office and he's looking pretty good. And what happened is he went to China and got himself a liver from some other poor bugger that, that they killed to get, it, to get a liver for him. 
Now, that's what we're coming to. Now, you think that the Chinese are pretty sharp and pretty good people. Actually, I've been over there many times. I've traveled all over China by every mode except water buffalo. And motorcycle, uh, planes, trains, cars, buses, been in bus crashes, totaled the bus, big buses. Out in the middle of nowhere, had a hitchhike through China. <laughs> Unbelievable. And uh, the people there are nice people. I love people. And they are nice people. They got good food, nice people. They are kind. But the communists are crazy. And the communists are, they have a big industry marketing organs to the world. And, they, and they're incredible liars. And they've been doing it for many, many years. And so they, when they take your, your loved one's organs, they just contact you, just like Adventist Hospital is doing right now. I'm not saying Adventist Hospital is popping organs out of people. I'm saying to you that you can't go in and if you don't take a jab or have a PCR test, you don't get to visit your loved one. And then they just tell you, oh, sorry, uh, we, he died. He, they called you on the phone. He died. And then they moved the body to the mortuary. Right? That's how it happens. Barbaric, people. It's wrong. It's barbaric. There's nothing godly about it. They claim they're Christians over there. They are not Christian people. Jesus would not do that. So, uh, so that's what's go that's what's going on, and uh, there th it's barbaric because the time when people are passing out of this world is a very sacred and significant and personal time for a family. And I have friends that the dad had fourth stage lung cancer, and the adult men in the family, four sons all with wives, all with children, could not go say goodbye, period. They didn't matter whether they're jabbed or not, could not go say goodbye to that father during this COVID thing. That is criminal, people. I don't care what, you may be a donor, you may be on, you may be don't, making donations Adventist, you may work there, you may, you may, you may, you may, but it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't clean that up. It's messy. It's not right. It's not kind. It's rude. It's rude to people. That's a very sick. People will remember that time the rest of their life, the time the Adventist hospital kicked them to the curb and their dad. In fact, the dad got so fed up with the hospital, he just said, let me go home and die. Have that Adventist hospital. How's that? Take that off your van, would you please? That, that Adventist hospital spreading the love to the Jesus love to the community. Come on, please. quit saying that to people. That is ridiculous. So that's what's going on. You think that can happen here? It can happen here, people. Right now, we have people, they're putting remdesivir that's killing they, Fauci. New remdesivir was killing Ebola patients half the time, and now he's, it's the, he didn't just recommend it. He said it's the only thing you can use. And then Dr. Liu went on and said, that's, you cannot use those things in my community. You cannot use hydroxychloroquine. You cannot need, use bedesonide. You cannot use ivermectin. You can only use what the hospital says. You know why? Because that's what she was told. You know something? She's about as useless as a medical doctor as tits on a bore. She is ridiculous. She's a communist hack is all she is. She's a paper pusher. She would be the last 
she just she'll do whatever Gavin Newsom or the health people down there say. She's useless. She is not your she's not Yuba Sutter's health officer. She's a Nazi from Sacramento. That's what she is. She should be that's her office needs to be in Sacramento. She shouldn't even have an office here. Just have her drive through once in a while. She doesn't care about addicts. She doesn't care about people with with uh, venereal diseases. Not but not important. She wants to be a a COVID hound. Sniff out COVID. That's her gig. COVID, 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 COVID. She's a COVID doctor. You know, COVID didn't start with her. It's not. She's going to be dead. COVID's going to be around. COVID's been here before she was here, and COVID's going to be here after she leaves. All this thing is a political deal. The next thing coming down the pipe is the avian flu, and and we're talking about it before. We're going to beat her to the punch. She's going to start talking about it. She's going to say, oh, we found a case of avian flu. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she's going to start creating fear. She is the fear monger. Like a fishmonger, she's a fearmonger. That's what she is. She didn't help one person to recover. She just caused people to be full of fear and to hide from COVID, as if you can hide from COVID. I just listened to some news people tonight saying that they now know that it has nothing to do with droplets. It's just in the air. You know, up until this generation and and Dr. Mingala Lu. Nobody cared about what was in the air. You just you just live life. We need to take a break. We finished our I guess we finished our fourth segment. We'll be right back. Yes, Vice President, I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, Afghanistan, the humanitarian crisis that is that is going on there. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. <laughs> okay, uh, what about the crisis at the border? There are thousands of stranded. Migrant children, it seems like it's just kind of chaotic. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> I've never been. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, beats me. Oh, let me tell you something. I am so sick of Washington and all its works and all them politicians down there and them congressmen and the congressmen. I'll bet you won't find none of them congressmen turning down their electric blankets tonight. Because if they did, their secretaries would get up and go home. <laughs> oh, readers, the Democrats is doing a whole the Democrats. And you put them in there. <laughs> That's the face you had on you when you come back in the polls. Well, the Democrats' way of running this country is to go tell us all how we ought to make sacrifices. God, they're great on that stuff. <laughs> but they're all going to have us over the hill to the poorhouse. 
We ain't gonna be able to drive over there because we ain't got no gas, so we're gonna have to walk it. Oh, the Reader's Digest says walking is very good for you. <laughs> oh, ain't that lovely? The Reader's Digest can always put a little joy into poverty. <laughs> Listen, my whole painting. My whole point is this whole thing with the energy and everything. This is all a conspiracy. No, you know that is a conspiracy there. Listen, for years, all our lives, they've been telling us to go out and buy stuff that use energy. You know, all electrical stuff. They got electric toasters, electric ovens, electric stove, electric stereo, electric TV, electric race, electric hair blower, electric knives, electric every damn thing. Not to mention the cars. And now, after all the big corporations there make the billions and billions of dollars worth of profits, signals, wham, they're changed. And after telling us for years that we can't live without this junk, now they tell us that we gotta live without it. The country is going straight into the dumper. The most effective control technique deployed by the American media is to distract the audience. This is very easy to do because everyone takes the bait. But today's distractions are threatening our very lives. While people are busy discussing their opinions on he said, she said nonsense from Hollywood stars and celebrating the fact that one of the billionaires who made hundreds of millions off the COVID lockdowns just bought Twitter, the banker's agenda continues to move forward unobstructed. The World Economic Forum has made their intentions clear. You will own nothing and like it. And the best way to accomplish this is through more lockdowns, permanent lockdowns, with occasional breaks for good behavior. Just as China led the way in 2020, showing the world how efficiently a totalitarian regime can fight a fake pandemic, the rest of the world soon followed Shanghai is now building cages around entire apartment buildings to keep people from escaping, an entire new method of government mass murder. America's version will be so much more cozy. World nations are beginning to adopt the carbon tax and cutting off the fuel supply while announcing massive fuel shortages. In America, Gavin Newsom is leading the way by cutting off the water and power to Californians after years of creating the problem by turning off production. While facing a massive fertilizer shortage, Bill Gates owns the majority of farmland and wants you to eat nothing but genetically modified synthetic food products. And he marches forward, no matter how much you make fun of him on social media. And while we face an immediate shortage of fresh foods and staple items, over a dozen food processing plants have been destroyed in recent weeks. It may not be possible to see the entire picture from the level where we are at, but they are going to shut us down again. The very systems of government we believed were put in place to serve us are being used to kill us by billionaires and banks while they maximize their own profits. That much is clear. And as far as the ones perpetrating this human liquidation, what they can clearly see is that we will obey. We will put the mask on when we are told and we will take it off when we are told, and we will celebrate that as a victory. They know that we will ignore their destruction of America so long as they feed us distractions to ruminate over on social media, just as they are doing right now. 
On January 20th of this year, the WHO submitted a proposal that would give the World Health Organization international authority over pandemic response, meaning no more recommendations, but de facto law. This proposal has been fast-tracked by Washington for consideration at the World Health Assembly this May. They want to make you stay inside your home and die quietly, peacefully, where no one notices. Many of you may doubt that they will get away with any of this, but our actions say differently. Our actions suggest that they can do it again. And so long as we have a voice on Twitter, once we are locked down in our homes again, we can complain of the food shortages, the rolling blackouts, and the cyber attacks. All right. I was I was over to Dragon Inn today and getting some lunch, takeout, and she said, "Lou, you've been traveling because they all know I go to China." And I I said, "No." I said, uh, "Vietnam's opening up." She said, "Oh, I don't think they're ready for you yet." I said, "They're not all ready for America yet." She said, "Nobody from America is getting into China." She said, "There's they." totally shut people in China, Shanghai in their houses. She knows all about it, baby. They're dying in those houses, starving to death. And she said, Beijing, I think, is next. I'm telling you, they're killing their own people off. They got too many people. They thought, forget all this one child thing. We're just going to kill off the old people. They're pain in the rear. Did you know that China's allowing more than one people because more than one baby now? Because they don't have enough women to marry the men. Because they, they gender select, kill the, the females off. And so everybody wants that, at least if they're going to have one, one child, they want a boy because the boys take care of the parents in their elder years. And that they can sneak a, a second child in if they get a girl, hallelujah to you. But they don't have enough girls to marry the boys, so it screwed up the whole country. They end up robbing women from other countries, nearby countries. They're they're selling organs and buying women. <laughs> That's what's happened. I'm telling you, the Chinese are gnarly folks, the government, the criminals there. I, let me tell you this, and, and this I didn't even have this. This is for free. You hear you've seen all this shipping stuff, stacks of containers on ships. Well, before that ever happened, just 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 imagine back in the days when you drove over the Bay Bridge, Golden Gate Bridge, whatever, and you saw the ships sitting. You, you should see a couple ships out there, right? Not everywhere. Before ships are sitting in ports all over the United States, because I ship three, two or three containers a month to, on a ships to, uh, in 40-foot containers to Cambodia, uh, I had the freight forwarding company that I deal with uh, religiously because of the best is they sent me a two-page letter and they said there's a change happening and uh, they're not political they're just talking about doing business and the cost of moving a container and how long it's going to take to get it there da, da 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 logistics right and they said hey china is demanding from from container companies that wherever they when they get rid of their product wherever it goes 
and they empty that container, even though China doesn't own the container, they, this is how powerful they are. We don't own the containers, but those our stuff is getting shipped in those containers. And when that container gets empty, we don't want you to fill it with products from that com- country and ship it back to us or to some other country back this way across the Pacific, for instance. We want you to just uh, put those empties back on the ship and we will pay you like it's full to come back our way. In other words, China's paying for their full containers going over and empties coming back. You think, well, wow, that's weird. Just think of the uh, collateral damage here. That means that people that want to export out of the United States or other countries to around the world cannot and that means there's not many containers available. Just the leftover containers are available to ship. And the ships are all full of China's empty containers, right? So you end up with a backup system where you're just too many, like you get too, too many containers stacked up shipping, and they're just ship, 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 and then, then they take the empties and ship them all back. It goose up the whole shipping thing. So uh, before this ever happened, they said, Lou, the reason this is going to, there's going to be a big problem. And China, they, these people are no, they're apolitical. They're not political at all. They said, China is doing this. We've never seen this before in the history of our business. China is doing this to us. And it's going to affect your shipping to Cambodia to feed or- orphans. And so this t- yesterday or today, actually, yeah, it was today, this morning. Uh, I got a load of farm equipment I needed to pick up in Fort Morgan, Colorado, and ship it to Scenicville, Colorado. I mean, Scenicville, Cambodia. And uh, so we were working on it. And uh, we're going to try to jam it through and get it over there. But it's very expensive. But we need to get it done, and it's not too expensive. I mean, I thought it was going to cost us. I had uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds of rice I needed to ship. And it was just so expensive, I just sold the rice and sent the money over and bought rice on the other side of the pond and saved a lot of money and time. So I'm just telling you that what's going on is not a coincidence. There are no coincidences, people. Can you get that out of your mind ever? There are no coincidences. They're God incidences, and then men are trying to take over the world. They're trying to mess around and do power moves on the entire world and that would be china they are not your friend the chinese government is not your friend they're ripping us off every chance they get trump trump caught on to it but these guys are biden doc president bite me that dude is is going to take us down uh so i want to i want to read you this this if you uh you ought to look into something called uh, nature news look it up and they'll send you an email every single day with mike adams the guy's very bright so you remember when the the uh, shots started and people started having brain clots clots in the brain so mitt romney you know senator mitt one of his relatives boy he's a he's a college uh, prep he's a prep star in high school big boy He's a 6'9", something like that, real star. 
He's headed to college, but he's not quite there yet. But it, he went and took the jab. He and his dad, both of them, brain clots, right? His, his time in basketball, it's over. So people are having all these brain clots, right? And so I've, I just saw an autopsy of a brain on YouTube the other night after the blank brain clots, and they just pulled this. They just cut it right in half, and there were just these big black blobs. Uh, the, this whole brain was clotted up. And uh, people are having, in fact, a, a friend of mine who used to work at Adventist Health over here, she now works for Dignity. She said one of their young women took the shot. She's in her 20s. And she uh, she died in the middle of the night with a heart problem. And another athlete that works for him, a young guy, he had clots in his legs. Now, that's inside the body. The jab is damaging. It's, it's clotting up, or damaging the, the free flow of blood and nourishment. If you look at blood and nourishment as, as our economic trade ways, right? the way trade moves back and forth and meets everybody's needs that's what blood does right through the body and and so what the the goal of the jab is is to to irritate the ex, it, inside of the arteries and the vessels and they start to clot up okay just like when you irritate your skin cut it irritate it the blood ends up clotting right away if you're healthy right so this article uh that was um Oh, sorry, it's, that's the wrong one. Uh, let me do, I think I'm one article away. Here we go. This is, oh, it's still not the right one. So anyway, let's see. Okay. All right, I'm really close, so. All right, this next article's coming up. So I'm going to talk about clots, but let's, let's, so Mike Adams, he titles his article, Engineered Supply Chain Shutdowns Are Clot Shots in the Global Economy. So Mike Adams is a very bright guy. He's got, I think he's even got a Pulitzer Prize for writing. He said, if you think of shipping containers as red blood cells, so the red blood cells are going through your, your, your arteries and stuff. And they get jammed up and they and form a clot because when they put the, the injection of the vaccine, they call it a vaccine, right, the mRNA, it actually has these, has these irritants in it that causes the inside of the walls of your blood vessels to be scratched. And so it starts clotting up. He says, if you think of shipping containers as red blood cells, the jamming up of these containers at the locked down ports in China, like the ports are all locked down in China now, so that means a container's going over there just sitting there too. Is the equivalent of blood clots in the human body. For an individual or, so, or a society to survive and thrive, resources must smoothly flow and be distributed across the system. So if your blood is not flowing and getting to your heart and getting to your lungs and getting down your legs, it cannot distribute the oxygen and the food that your system needs, right? Replenish it. So if the, if the trade routes, the system of getting all our nourishment and all our repair parts for all the things we have that, are, that break, if that gets jammed up, that's just like 
your blood being clotted up. You with me? Clot shots, Mike Adams says, are, nor, are often called COVID vaccines. He calls them clot shots. Kill people by blocking that flow. Just as deliberate shutdowns, you remember I talked about the freight forwarder telling me these shutdowns are coming and they're going to be deliberate and they're from China. No question. He, it, there was no question. It was just very practical. It's just like saying a car dealership's going out of business. It's just very practical, very deliberate, very just the way it is. So the deliberate shutdowns of port cities creates an economic arterial blockage with devastating effects. He said it's fascinating that the globalists in their desire to tear down human civilization and achieve mass extermination on a global scale have resorted to the exact same practice at both the nanotechnology scale, the biological scale he's talking about, as well as a global macro scale. Let's wait a minute here. I need to check something. I need to check something. Okay. All right. So, um, said, meanwhile, the International Energy Agency is calling for climate lockdowns to reduce fossil fuel usage, apparently realizing that since the COVID lockdowns didn't exterminate enough people or crush the economy with the desired level of carnage, they need a whole new excuse for yet more lockdowns. I'm going to introduce this next uh, clip uh, that will take us almost up to the last segment and it's called the real story about oil now i'm going to say one thing to you and i'm, I'm going to cover it some other time but there's people that believe that if you drill far enough into the earth you know how you could put down a well and you go 100 feet 50 feet 100 feet 200 feet down catch catch water you can go down miles and catch another aquifer of water many many uh water experts say this guy is an expert on oil and I want you to listen really closely to what he says. And uh, I think it's going to blow your mind. It's a real story about oil. Well, you mentioned in one of your last talks that petroleum wasn't what we thought it was, that it wasn't a fossil fuel, that it didn't come from fossil animals. <laughs> yeah. Is it just a mineral? Is it a mineral like any other mineral? Is that is that how it is that how it, uh, what would you say, uh, how did it, what's the origin it, of, of petroleum? You see, <clears throat> when they first found petroleum, uh, because they were beginning to make motors and, and, and needed it on axles of wheels on railroad trains and all that sort of thing, and remember trains started in the beginning of the 19th century, then oil went from a, just a lubricant to a fuel and it made it valuable. And Rockefeller happened to be the smartest man in the business at the time, but he made a lot of most of his money, or much of it, off the transport of the petroleum as well as selling it. But one thing they realized was, if you, because oil, uh, oil is uh, putting a price on oil is like putting a price on a pail of water. You know, no, no initial cost is in the ground, and, and in those days they were some of it almost what you'd call surface mining the oil. They didn't go down deep. So in order to get the price up, they hit on the idea that they would have to make it appear to be scarce. That, that boy, after we take the next few barrels out, we're probably going to have to close as well, you know, that kind of thing. Well, a very fortuitous event. In 1892, 
there was a convention in Geneva of, of scientists to determine what organic substances are. Well, the definition of organic is a substance with hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. And so it's usually a living substance, a tree. You analyze a dead tree, hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen, and grass, and so on, living things. Animals, we are, hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. So at this Geneva Convention, Rockefeller took advantage of sending some scientists over who said oil, petroleum, is hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. Therefore, it must be derived from the, uh, the spoiling, the rotting of formerly living matter and uh, playing the game properly when the this scientific convention was over they defined oil as a, a residue from formerly living matter well that makes it a fossil fuel i don't know why they decided to use the word fossil but it says you formerly living matter is fossil well of course today and, and and another thing we should know is that there has never been a fossil of a, a a real fossil found below 16,000 feet and you can't argue at 16,000 as a level line because someplace the ground sinks and so on but 16 is what the scientists say 16,000 we mine oil or we, we drill for oil at 30,000 33,000 28,000 every day of the week so right there we rule it out that it isn't fossil fuel it's called fossil fuel for the minds of the public to feel that it is uh, uh, an asset that is running out, being depleted. We talk about depletion allowance, which is a lot of, you know. And actually, if you know the world's oil supply, you know that it is not going to run out for an awfully long time. It is the second most prevalent liquid on Earth. And, and we haven't begun to... Dig. Well, with all that background, you see, the people in charge of the petroleum business for perfectly reasonable business uh, things like any other man in a business wants to keep his price as high as he can get away with and the way to do is just say well as no more we, we, we the last barrel is going to cost a thousand dollars and then it's all done and and they preach that stuff what bothers me is that that in geology books it's in there the geologists say it's a fossil fuel they, they've somehow they've been bought. I mean, you, I, I went to a four-year federal staff energy seminar run by the government of the United States during the so-called energy crisis. I was the participant that represented the railroad industry. The airline industry was there. Every AA administrative assistant of senators and congressmen was there. The CIA was there, the Defense Department was there, the State Department was there. Sometimes sitting right in front of me in the row would be Henry Kissinger with his friend, um, uh, the, the head of the uh, Department of Defense. Uh, that's too bad, I can't put the names with them. But anyway, people like that, top men in the government sitting there listening to the Federal Staff Energy Seminar. Well, what this was doing is for four years, they were teaching a propaganda line to the leading people in this country and therefore to the leading people in the world when you include the Schlesingers, Kissinger and Schlesinger among others. And the object of it was, as Kissinger used in his own terms when it was time for him to speak, to create a world price for oil. In other words, not 
30 cents a gallon here and 90 cents a gallon there, but let's get a world price. That's their goal, and they're trying to do that for wheat and everything else. We don't realize what, it, what the controls are, whether it's oil or some of these other things. Almost everything today is being categorized at the highest price they can possibly make it go. And so calling petroleum a fossil fuel is the basis for this system uh, with respect to petroleum. All right, I want to give a shout out here before we go to the break here with All Power Services, who helps us here. They're at 530-844-0347. Josh James, Will Fanning. 530-844-0347. They are out there at uh, 1469 Stewart Road. You can reach them at allpower1469 at gmail.com. They're in Yuba City. And they will fix anything that got power hooked up to it. Chainsaws, tractors, motorcycles, big rigs, cars, trucks. They just fix all that stuff. These guys are brilliant. I look at them and I just think, what your brain works different than mine. So check them out. They will help you. People, a lot of happy people using these guys. 530-844-0347 or allpower1469 at gmail.com. Be right back. Here are medical tyranny bills still threatening you and your family. I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. AB 1797 would divide and segregate all Californians by vaccination status. SB 1479 targets all school children for invasive testing, tracking, and quarantining. AB 2098 would attack and harm studious caring doctors who support medical freedom and aren't enslaved to big pharma. Visit SaveCalifornia.com to leave a strong message against all medical medical tyranny bills, because the corrupt CDC isn't even tracking the very mild variants after Omicron, and the COVID vaccines are obsolete since they weren't designed for variants and they don't prevent infection or transmission. They're useless and even harmful. SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Oregon legalized physician-assisted suicide, and since then, so-called protections to limit abuse have been gradually dropped. The latest protection to be discarded is the requirement patients be residents of Oregon. The pro-euthanasia group Compassion and Choices, along with the so-called doctor to help people die by suicide, challenged that part of the law. The Oregon Health Authority was quick to settle the case by eliminating the residency requirement. However, they refused to comment on why. People in Washington who want to die by suicide were having difficulty finding a cooperative hospital because they're religiously affiliated. So now patients can come across the border, making Oregon a one-way tourist attraction in death. People can now come from any state to be killed. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. 
Johnny Vedmore recently published an article exposing the hidden history of the mysterious World Economic Forum, who is currently waging war against the world with their Great Reset. Founder and director Klaus Schwab's three mentors were the most influential people in America's thermonuclear deterrence program, as well as leading proponents of a one-world government. Henry Kissinger recruited Klaus Schwab at the Harvard International Seminar, which was funded by the CIA. During this time, Kissinger was focused on global governance and depopulation. But it was with the Council on Foreign Relations that Kissinger became a major player by wargaming psychological operations involving America's growing thermonuclear weapons arsenal and writing the book on nuclear weapons and foreign policy. John K. Galbraith was a highly influential economist who helped Klaus Schwab create the World Economic Forum. Galbraith was an economist at Harvard who traveled to Germany in 1938 to study land policies under Hitler's National Socialist government. From there, he went to work on an advisory committee for FDR's New Deal. After World War II ended, his work shifted into nuclear weapons. Galbraith was tasked with evaluating the overall economic effects of the wartime bombing. He interrogated Nazi war criminal Albert Speer and was sent to Hiroshima and Nagasaki to evaluate the damage caused by the nuclear weapons attack. By 1968, Galbraith had joined Kissinger in his pursuit of a one-world government. And it was during this time that Kissinger introduced Galbraith to Klaus Schwab, along with Hermann Kahn, who in 1967 suggested subverting democracy by training a select group of global leaders, which later became the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders. Both Kissinger and Galbraith were heavily involved in the religion of thermonuclear deterrent warfare. But Herman Kahn was, as the New Yorker puts it, the heavyweight of the megadeth intellectuals, and is commonly referred to as the real Dr. Strangelove. Kahn wrote the official military policy on nuclear deterrence and believed that if everyone had nuclear weapons, the world would know peace. By the late 60s, Kahn was pushing for a European Union and joined Galbraith in 1970 on a European speaking tour to support Klaus Schwab's recruitment drive for the first European Management Symposium, now known as the World Economic Forum. And while they were doing that, Klaus Schwab helped merge his father's nuclear weapons company into a company that he then directed to illegally build nuclear weapons for the South African government. In 1972, the Club of Rome published The Limits to Growth, which planted the seeds of the depopulation agenda. And while Kahn, Kissinger, and Galbraith helped Schwab get started, what really brought him the international support he was hoping for was when he introduced the ideas of depopulation. In 1972, the Club of Rome's founder was invited by Schwab to make the keynote speech in 1973. As controversial as it was, even Herman Kahn opposed it, the World Economic Forum suddenly caught the attention and financial support of powerful elitists everywhere and blew up to what it has become today. 
The article suggests that Schwab's supervillain persona is a deliberate marketing tactic to gain the attention from those who seek power and wealth to join Klaus Schwab as stakeholders in society. The author believes that the World Economic Forum is reaching its maximum level of expansion before its inevitable collapse, because eventually people will fight back. But they already know that, and all they really seem to care about is world government, depopulation, and thermonuclear war. catch up with some of these people that helped me here because I got off track here and got to talking too much about stuff and uh, didn't include some of them. I just talked to a lady today. This is Thursday. I'm working on this. Talked to a lady today about getting a homeless guy off the street, uh, addicted to methamphetamine. Sunday, I worked with a guy. Uh, these are all working with Dr. Cassie. Worked with a guy that uh, young youngster, high school student uh, with a fentanyl problem. And uh, so we got him right in, uh, happy, worked very successfully. A few times a week now, boom, 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 quick. You know, at uh, Behavioral Health, Sutter County, Yuba Sutter Behavioral Health, uh, they don't even see people every day to uh, get them uh, evaluated to go into rehab. Don't have time to do it. Just, ah, we'll do it whenever we get around to it. We get paid for every day. We get paid to come to work every day. We, we get millions of dollars for drug rehab. But we just, uh, we just, you know, we see them wherever we feel it when the when the spirit moves. Tuesdays and Thursdays are good days, so we see them, but not every day. So I have to remember, let the addicts know that uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are good days to work, and the rest of the days you can just kind of go to hell. So Peachtree Clinic will uh, see you Monday through Friday. You can call them at 749-3242, 530-749-3242, and ask for Dr. Cassidy. He's a specialist with addiction, and just ask for Doc, and if they say, what do you need, just say, I need some help with addiction. And if, if you ever have a problem, get through on the phone lines, you know, press 1 for Arabic, press 2 for speaking in tongues, press 3 for, you know, Hmong, uh, and you get tired of working through, just dial me up, 530-713-1838, and say, hey, I, I'm having trouble over there, and we'll uh, speed dial you through, we'll get you through. And get you hooked up. Dr. Joe Cassidy, we can get you squared away. We want to check you over. Make sure you've got all the other issues squared away in your body. Maybe you're diabetic. Maybe you're this. Maybe you're that. Want to get you healthy and get you off the drugs. Or particularly want to get you off something that may kill you. You may think you're taking a Norco, but you're actually taking a fentanyl. And it's going to knock you out for the count. So it's Dr. Joe Cassidy at Peachtree Health, and uh, that's in the Yuba Sutter area. If you're from outside the area, no problem. Uh, they take Medi-Cal, and they very, you know, easy. Make it easy for you. Okay, 530-713-1838 is my number. Also, if you got a legal issue, you do not need an attorney for most legal issues. You can go to North Valley Paralegal. That's right down the street from Allen's Auto Body. You can see one from the other, 751 Sutter Street, Yuba City, 530-751-9289. Cheaper, better, more honest, more hardworking than the average attorney, okay?
Thrifty Rooter. These guys get it on, man. They just, they're all over town taking the pain out of life of people. Thrifty Rooter's been around here long. They started when Noah was coming to pass. Noah. There was still some, you know, some brontosauruses running around Browns Valley when these guys started almost 50 years ago. ThriftyRooter.net. You can look on there, see all the things they do. They climb down. They'll send, they'll send tiny little guys down the pipe to see what's wrong down there and take a film. They got a film crew that goes right down your pipe. They got a big rig. They'll just, they don't take your septic tank out of the ground. They just suck the insides out. It's like having your stomach pumped over there at, at the ER. And uh, thriftyrooter.net, or you can dial them up old school at 530-673-8201. They make sure the water's flowing in the right direction. They'll make sure it's flowing when it's supposed to and not when it's not supposed to. If you got something drip, drip, drip in Marysville, that's costing you lots of money every month. Get them over there and stop that. Also, um, Greenitz Construction, Dave Greenitz is going to be working at the East Street Apartments. He said, Lou, don't get me any help. I got this. I'm going to go work on the doors over there. I'm, I got it. I'm working solo. Oh, solo meal. We're going to be doing some other work that things looking sharp over there. Had some welders over there this week. But, but Dave makes it, you know, his bread and butter isn't doing plays for his wife or doing nonprofit work like I always got him doing. He actually makes a living transforming people's houses just total transformation just shocking people when they come in i can't even believe that's my bathroom can't even believe that's my kitchen i i don't even want to when when i die i want the whole house and everything being buried with me so i don't want to leave my kitchen i don't want to leave my bathroom he will do it right he'll he'll do it right the first time on time and you know when you call him he either answers or he answers right away and don't be expecting some secretary or office manager, you're going to get the big dog. Greenitzconstruction.com. That's green with E-T-Z on the end. .com. Greenitzconstruction.com. Or Facebook page, Dave, uh, Dave Greenitz Construction. Or you could text him or dial him up. Old school, 530-682-9602. Monty Hecker is trying to hold the gap because the police forces have been hogtied. You ever seen hogtying? Or tying a cow up that they t tackle out there in the arena. The police have been hogtied in this country. And what's wrong is right. And what's right is wrong right now. It's crazy. It's lawless on the streets. The mentally ill are running the asylum. And Monty Hecker is doing his best to try to fill in for all the gaps in law enforcement. And you can reach him at 530-749-0280. He's working all over Northern California, working his fingers to the bone. And he needs more help. So if you want to be a guard, even part-time, they could use you. 749-0280. You can go to his website. is EliteUniversalSecurity.com. His school site where he trains you and shows a lot of what he's got going api-academy.com if you want to learn how to shoot or get a permit to shoot he'll do it for you he'll help you with that you want to learn how to do a taser all he'll train you how to do everything it's a one-stop shop you may be listening to me from butte county or some other county up there north they they may be working right behind your house and you'd have a job right next door call them up see see if you can get on Finally, uh, plumbing doctor, 
My friend Ted Holmes, Saturday, they're on a big team going to Mexico, down to San, near San Quentin, Colonial Guerrero. And they're going to be working at an orphanage down there. He said, Luke, come down with us. I said, man, I got too many things going on here. I can't leave. I just can't leave. Too complicated. So he said, well, we're going to go without you then. The plum- and I'm the guy that got him started down there. Now he's running the whole place down there. The plumbing doctor, when he's up here, He's working, working the plumbing doctor and Ted Holmes construction and liftoff floors. We had liftoff floors over there grinding the front of the front step of the, uh, the East Street complex. We've been remodeling all volunteers. And, uh, but you can reach the plumbing doctor. If, even though Ted's out of town, the plumbing doctor is fixing things. They're like Thrifty Rooter, 530-671-9111. 6719111 they serve Yuba Sutter County only and they just they get it on right 24 hours a day 7 days a week they do their best so anyhow those are some people that that keep this thing going for me and uh then I've got some you know every once in a while uh I think I mentioned him a couple times before of, of a friend this is amazing to me you meet somebody you get to know them a little bit and um uh, then life takes you in different directions, and then your path path crosses 40-some years later, and uh, he learns about my podcast, and then he sends me some money to help with the podcast. Isn't that nice? And uh, so anyhow, I just thought I'd mention that to to just thank people that have just spontaneously helped me out. I'm, I'm not doing a hustle here. I'm not trying. I'm just telling you, I'm just giving credit where credit's due. So I'm, I'm scrolling down here because I got 11 minutes and I got some good stuff. I want to jam in here. And, uh, there's a little story about Catherine Kuhlman and I want to, I want to give it to you right now. And I'm talking about spiritual spirituality right now. So some of you may not be a follower of Jesus. My, my Afghan friends are followers all up, but we, we've been comparing notes. We both believe in one God. We believe he's a credit. They said, Lou, what do you think God is? What do you, what do you know as God? I said, he's a creator of heaven and earth, honey. He's, he created everything. They said, that's what we believe. I said, really? Okay. They believe, he said, you believe in one God. And I said, I do believe in one God. They said, that's what we believe. I said, all right. So I want to read you this story called, I just called it The Believer. It said, the other day a prominent businessman in Pittsburgh stopped, stopped me in the lobby of the Carlton House Hotel. Miss Kuhlman, he said, that's Catherine Kuhlman. She's been dead for a number of years now. Miss Kuhlman, he said, I have been wanting to tell you something for a long time, and now is my chance. I want you to know this. My mother is from the old country. She's Russian. And she can't speak nor understand English. Now, I want you to think about this. A Russian woman who cannot speak English, nor does she understand it. So this guy says, but my mother wouldn't miss one of your broadcasts for anything in the world. Every morning. In other words, Catherine Kuhlman at one time had a daily radio broadcast. So this guy goes on, he says, every morning before I go to work, I have to set our radio to the place on the dial. Now, when he says this, I can just see my grandmother at 25 East 12th Street in Marysville. She had one of those big console radios, and the, the she and her two sisters, she had more sisters than that, but a couple of them would hang out together. And they would sit around that radio and listen to the programs. 
So cool to remember it. He said, every morning before I go to work, I'd have to set our radio to the place on the dial where you, where you will be coming on. And she waits for it. She knows the first strains of the music. And she knows this is Miss Kuhlman's broadcast. She hasn't missed one of your broadcasts for years. And yet to this very day, she understands practically nothing you say. Now, if you're into religion, this doesn't make any sense to you. If, if you believe that God came back when Jesus went to heaven, he came back as the Holy Spirit. You got this. The gentleman speaking to me paused. And then with a smile, he said, but you know, she sits there for one full half hour and just weeps for the entire time. The tears of joy roll down her cheeks. And sometimes she will burst forth in the Russian language in praise and prayer. I say to her, Mom, you don't even understand what Miss Kuhlman's saying. Why do you cry so? And she replies to me in Russian. It is because I can feel the power of the Holy Spirit. It's also wonderful. I wouldn't live without her broadcasts. Stretching out his hand to me, my friend in the hotel lobby grasped mine very hard, and he says, frankly, Miss Kuhlman, it has always been a mystery to the rest of us at home. However, thank you for what we don't understand, but mom does. And now, beloved, Catherine says, I part with you praying that you may know the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I've experienced some of that power, and so uh, this was a chapter, chapter 27, uh, says a glimpse into glory, chapter 27, the cost and the love of God, a book published in 1983. Just amazing. Isn't it just amazing? There's so much we don't know, and we just talk like we know so much, but we just don't know very much. And uh, so I wanted you to hear that. And uh, here's something. You know, I, I wrote an article that that right now you're going to be hearing more and more about the bird flu because they're going to lock us down again. And this time it's going to be not the COVID virus, but the bird flu or avian flu, another term for the bird flu. And uh, so now everywhere uh, it, you're, you're being uh, pre pre prepared in intellectually to suffer another crisis. And so there's an article here by Alan Stein, Union Pacific Railroad announces delays, cutbacks, and fertilizer shipments. You remember, we've been being prepared for a shortage of food, right? So it says Union Pacific Railroad. This is an intern. This is a. In fact, uh, Eric Malo, who's running for first district supervisor in Yuba County against Andy Vasquez, is a Union Pacific Railroad employee, and he withstood Union Pacific Railroad on behalf of all the workers nationally in Union Pacific Railroad to resist the jab, that they had a right to not take the jab. And he won. It didn't even go to court. Eric Malo, vote for him for supervisor. So it says Union Pacific Railroad has announced significant reductions in delays in nitrogen fertilizer. Why would they do that? Did you know that a lot of food plants have burned down? That's not just a internet hoax. It's all over. 
this is all planned. It's prescribed. It's organized. It's uh, just as like you, it, just like when you get up in the morning and you take a pee, have a cup of coffee, shower in a certain sequence every day. You have a pre-planned way to boot the day. This is all happening. Delays in nitrogen fertilizer. How's, what's that going to do? It's going to affect the farming. It's going to affect, it's going to, so U, UPR, they call them UPR. Uh, they have national supply chain issues that could impact the spring's late growing season. In a statement to the Epic Times, Union Pacific, and it, and it is working to help its customers in light of the national supply issues. You, you know, why? Why, 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 why? Just like the two-year-old just keeps saying after you answer the why, he says why again and why again and why again. It's all contrived, folks. Union Pacific is committed to proactively supporting our customers, and we are working with them to address the impact of several disruptive events. The company said it removed it rail cars to ease congestion and added 100 additional locomotives to its fleet. In other words, there's just log jams. They're just nothing's working right. You remember the blood clot theory? Okay. They've training 450 new employees. Why? Why do we need all these new employees? Why do we need all these new locomotives, right? What's going on? Farmers are told to cut back. Union Pacific has asked customers to reduce the growing inventories and is partnering with customers. You know what the EPA's conclusion to how to slow global warming that they believe in? I don't. Is to quit growing food. Does that sound crazy to you? That is crazy. It's not like, oh, come up with a cleaner exhaust. Oh, come up with you know, uh, better filters on smokestacks, you know, for exhaust coming out of factories. Oh, you know, let's not dump our oil in the drain. Let's do this. Let's do that. Right. No, they just say human beings are the problem to the earth. That is antichrist people. If you don't, don't understand all this stuff, it's antichrist because the Bible says, God says, be plentiful and mul multiply, replenish the earth. That means have some kids. Didn't say there's going to be a time when I don't want you to have kids. No, no, you didn't say that. So this says we're going to stop growing. We're going to stop doing things. We're going to stop manufacturing. It, the railroad, UPR, this is one of the big ones, would be unable to accept any new sales, new deals involving Unipacific cars for the foreseeable future. That means don't think you're going to ship anything on UPR in the foreseeable future. Now, I just made a deal today to ship a container from Fort Morgan. It's not going by rail car. Sometimes they do. They put them on a rail car, take them to the port, and then take them off and set them on the ship. We're going to take it by truck. The company UPR understands that it is only one of 30 companies to face these restrictions. Anyway, I don't want to spend, I only have a minute and a half. I'm going to uh, get ready to call it a day. I'm, I'm just telling you that it's happening and all of a sudden, everybody's screwed up. Everybody, the FBI is saying, oh, FBI, here's another head, headline. FBI warns of targeted cyber attacks on food plants amid heightened coverage of fires. I'm telling you, it's all planned. The January 6th thing with Trump, all the Trump stuff, the anti-Trump stuff, the undermining of his presidency, all planned, organized, strategized. Uh, to undermine everything, everything, everything is being done. It's orchestrated and choreographed people. No coincidences. 
It's just one thing after another. Did you notice that COVID has the news on COVID just kind of gone? Do you think it's gone? It did not go anywhere. It's all contrived. It's propaganda. And now we're just, we're just paying attention, paying attention, paying attention to what? Putin, 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 Putin. Ukraine, 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 right? Now we're going to move back and we're going to go to avian flu. And they're going to lock you down again. And you're going to, you're, you're voting for the same supervisors. If you put the same, you know, the supervisors voted nine out of 10 of the 10 supervisors running Yuba and Sutter counties, nine of 10 endorsed the same policies that we just got finished with. Dan Flores, the supervisor for Sutter County says if he had to do it all over again, he would have done the same thing to shut down businesses in our community. Do you know that the state of California, a national think tank said the state of California gets an F. It's at the bottom of the 50 states, like 47, 48. Got F for how it managed the economy, destroyed the economy, shut the schools down, the damages it did to the state. Only, only a couple states are worse. We're going to call it a day. Thanks for listening, and uh, do something good this week. Figure out who you're going to vote for and vote for somebody that's going to make a change not do the same. No more same old, same old. See you next week. I see trees of green Red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful Skies are blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful